Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Penix wants to throw, looking downfield, looking, looking, takes a shot. Roman Dunze! Did he hold on? Yes, sir! Touchdown, Washington! Roman Dunze! Playing a Belinikoff kind of game. Another explosive this time for 33, and the Huskies take the lead. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Another blitz. One-on-one for neighbors. He's got it. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Third and nine. rush against Plummer to the end zone. This time, and it's intercepted by Bethune. He made a great play earlier and comes up with the pick in the end zone. The Florida State defense does it again. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Lavitz, a heavy pressure. The ball's out. Scooped up by Army. Fortner taking it to the end zone. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on 365 Sports on this uh, miserable, kind of a cool, but also very rainy Friday, at least where we are in Central Texas, outside of our studio in Waco. David Smoke and Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, Jack McKenzie running the mothership, and here we go. We will hear from John Hoover, who covers Oklahoma, and maybe what was going on with Caden Green, although I think... Uh, last night, based on what Gabe Eichert put out there, he mentioned that this was a money grab. Uh, also, well, may, maybe most of them are, but John Hoover will kind of update us on that. We'll hear from Grayson on the uh, the uh, visit right now with Toledo quarterback Daquan Finn, and then Josh Neighbors a little after four, plus Mitch Sherman on Nebraska's weekend with Dylan Riola, who is on campus 
We'll discuss that, plus also that Texas-Nebraska volleyball game for the championship. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke again. So here's Brandon Marcello putting things into perspective. There are 400-plus players who have entered the transfer portal or opted out of the NFL or for the draft from bowl teams. Bowl teams. And he goes, how can you curb turnover? Lean into the problem rather than ignore it. It's probably time to make Bulls pay players to stick around for a few more weeks. Otherwise, some games are just scrimmages. Yeah, that's exactly what they should do. Look, the um, college basketball is already doing this uh, with their look uh, with the South Carolina stuff. There's NIL games all over college basketball. Uh, football would be wise to look to basketball and how to do some of the things well. So the the game that Baylor's played the last two years in South Dakota, total NIL game for the players. Keep doing stuff like that. And look, the Bulls have the money. If they didn't have the money, uh, they wouldn't be doing the bowl games. So yeah, they need to start uh, lining the players' pockets a little bit to make sure they stick around because uh, you know there's there's no benefit to a lot of guys to play in the bowl. Uh, the other uh, thing you do to curb turnover is, is change the calendar, but uh, that's a more complicated issue than than just paying the players yeah i think the calendar is now the big front center topic this week as far as all the subjects sort of colliding into one and and where they all sort of seem to to resonate and where the big issue lies right now as the bowl games get kicked off this weekend of this this subject right here nil comes into play the nfl draft comes into play all these different issues come into play uh, it's funny though. It seems like the answer to every problem is pay the players now. <laughs> Wait, you got th- pay the players. You got this, pay the players. You got this, pay the players. So maybe that's just the answer to everything. We're looking for other answers, and and that's just the simplest one. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see how much of an issue it is throughout bowl season. How much do people notice? How much does it take away from viewership? How much does that matter in the long run? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, for the how do you keep players in? I also think it's weird though, like. Not every player is the same. Like, yeah. I mean, the the second string receiver in the Boca Raton Bowl is you know not the same as the guy opting out of the the New Year's Six type of a game. But uh, they're all dealing with the same types of issues. Uh, I just think when you paint with a broad brush, you almost create problems elsewhere as well because now everybody feels like they're the same as the guy who is opting to prepare for the first round of the NFL draft. So now you end up paying everybody. But like I said, maybe paying everybody just is just the simplest answer. That seems to be the simplest answer in real life, right? Mm-hmm. You got problems, just pay somebody, and uh, those problems go away or they get quieter or whatever. So maybe that would that would be the simplest solution here uh, for those bowl committees to ensure that they're going to have the best players playing in their games that are not you know big time playoff games. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's certainly one of the various issues that's floating around right now, and we're going to see how much uh, that attrition carries over when we actually start to see these teams taking the field here starting um, you know, this weekend. Yeah, because we haven't even seen a bowl game. We no. haven't, haven't watched a bowl game, and at 400-plus, we appreciate Brandon with that stat. I did not know it was that many and uh, learned a little bit about that. Nen, you want to talk about a guy that teased the fan base? Well, all America- I'll say, you know, paying players to – I don't know that solves the bowl game issue entirely. The transfer portal issue is still going to be there. Yeah. I mean – we, Not if it's open in December. Right, but that's different from paying the players. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a combination of things because yeah. you can pay them all you want to, but a guy still has to go in to yesterday or today to get in there in time. And so that's, that's the, I think, the biggest thing, more so than the payment, although the payment's going to matter too. 
it's it's a combo, but that calendar is really where they are they find themselves in a pickle at the moment where a lot of things are converging at once. And then one of the arguments, which really almost began NIL in the transfer portal, was well, coaches can take a job and leave a team and not coach the bowl game. Same thing. Uh, it happens. Uh, also, Jaden Ott, All-American uh, running back, had a heck of a year, 1,260 yards and 11 touchdowns, caught a couple of touchdown passes. We can't run the video of him, but here is Cal announcing that Jaden Ott is back. Run it back. He put out a video that we can't play, but he put out a video earlier where he sits down. It's kind of all by himself in this room, and you can tell he's kind of somber, wanting to thank some people, including Justin Wilcox, the head coach, and kind of goes over thanking this and thanking that, and then he... And then he gets up and, you know, having said all that, right, it's like a, he's going to enter the transfer portal or leave for the NFL, whatever the decision might be, walks off the set. And about two seconds later, peeks back in the camera and goes, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm coming back. Cal fans, I saw numerous. In fact, they kind of tricked me. I didn't post anything, but I'd sent, in fact, Jack a tweet about, hey, this might be interesting to use. And then he, of course, decided he was just playing with the fan base's heart. He will be back for California to play next year in the ACC. Uh, at least that's an inter- entertaining part of the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, you can do things like that. But that's that's good news for, for Cal uh, as they transition to the ACC, uh, a league that – I don't know if that will be easier for them or what. I don't know. That's That's such a weird thing. Like – you know, uh, the, this year in the Pac-12 wasn't easy for anybody. That was a, a really good league in, the, in its last season. But um, but I don't know if the ACC will be easier or not, uh, considering that most of the time you're, you know, going to be sitting on a plane. But, yeah, there's good news for them, and uh, I appreciate the creativity. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool way to, to get your fans all riled up and then get the big payoff there at the end. Um, as far as Cal and the ACC, I mean, uh, we'll see, you know, the, <laughs> It's, it's just hard to tell right now, I mean, what that's going to look like. I, I really have no idea. You look at their schedule next season, they have Auburn in the non-conference on the road. Uh, so, you know, there's a big marquee game there. But then, you know, playing some of the uh, the Pac-12 familiars, like playing Oregon State again, you know, who knows what that looks like. But then once they get into the real ACC schedule, it's just such a mix mash of SMU and Stanford and freaking then your, you know, your original uh, types of ACC teams. It's just... It's a weird collage of, I feel like, teams just sort of put together, right? It's just what you, like, auto-generate a schedule, and then that's what spits out on the other side. It doesn't doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense, but that's what realignment has brought us. This is a schedule like this. So, yeah, they're going to be crisscrossing the map quite a bit, um, going to Florida State, going to Pitt, and then hosting, like, Miami, you know, another week. So it's, it's going to be really weird to see what their body clocks are like. Maybe yeah. that'll actually be a legitimate reason for something, uh, not just some BS that Jeff Long spewed in the uh, origination of the college football playoff to explain why they wanted rankings a certain way certain weeks. But, um, yeah, that's really good to get him back. He had 1,000-plus yards, double-digit touchdowns. And uh, this isn't a, a criticism. It's just it's wild to me, like just today, how uh, adept that uh, young people are on social media, how much announcements have become like a part of life. Like everything's a big announcement and it's yep. a production and it's a, but in this case it's valid. It's, it's justified because it's a big deal for Cal football. And it's a big deal for him. And uh, that's great. And uh, he p- pulled it off. I-, I can tell you that if I went to high school in this era, I would never have gotten a date to any prom because you've got to do this whole 
Oh, like, I can only you know, imagine. Yeah. Big promposal thing that everybody can see on TikTok or oh, is that the whatever. way it is now? Yeah, you like oh. used to. You just go up and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, you do you, would you like to go to prom?" And then she says yes or no. But now there's got to be theatricality to it, and like, the, I, like, like the baby reveal. The, the yeah, 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 like that. That that stuff. I don't know. I would just be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to go. I I don't feel like." Uh, Paying for a celebrity cameo to ask, <laughs> yeah. ask, ask this chick to prom. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right. So, Caden Green, he's the former Oklahoma lineman that entered the transfer portal. It's created a lot of stir. What happened there? It all just depends on who you, uh, I guess, who you believe or who you read or what you've listened to. Uh, that's why John Hoover is going to join us today a little bit after 5 o'clock. But he has locked in a couple of visits. The freshman who played quite a bit for the Sooners on the offensive line is going to visit Oregon, and also Missouri. Tell you something, Missouri, they got uh, Kiwan Lacey, the running back out of, uh, what was it, DeSoto uh, earlier, uh, Cedar Hill or DeSoto out of Dallas, uh, who was committed to Nebraska. So they have made uh, a nice impact. He went to Lancaster. Same thing, Dallas. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I forgot about him when he decommitted to Nebraska. A great player, by the way, For and show memo, you mentioned that. So Caden Green is going to visit Oregon and Missouri. And I brought up Lacey because Missouri really right now, they're in the middle of all this stuff. They're doing a mm-hmm. pretty good job with what they had, a, a 10-2 and record in the regular season, played Georgia well. So Oregon, which was able to pluck Dylan Gabriel, will now try at least be one of those that gets – Caden uh, uh, Green, the Oklahoma offensive lineman. Oregon is in on everybody. It seems like. I mean, they they're you know, especially if you are, are a big name guy, they're they're in on you. They they want to talk to you, and um, yeah, they're just going to keep on like Dan Dan Lanning's got something going there. If they can finally, you know, I, I don't want to use the word organing, but they kind of like they get, and this is their history. They get really like close to where they want to be, and then they just don't get there. And I feel like Dan Lanning is the guy who can get them over that that hump, but um, and that's why he's going to go. Like they're going to talk to every single person that they can in the, in the portal. It feels like. Yeah, I mean they seem to be really well built for this era of NIL, and now you got the move to the Big Ten. I mean they're really well positioned to go out there and try to make some history. I was thinking about this earlier in the year, but are they the only team that hasn't won a Natty that'll probably ever have a chance at winning a Natty again? Like realistically, hmm. with the expanded playoff. Because I can't think of another team who hasn't won one yet that would be able to probably get through a 12-team playoff yeah, and I'll, go and win one. Yeah, I'd say, like, you know... I need to look at a list of who has none to yeah, double-check because you'd be like, well, uh, this team, well, they won it in 1932, so yeah. they technically have won it. You know, A&M's been... We'll, we've never seen it, but they, yeah. you know, have technically... They, or they not technically, they have won one, so they would already be in that group. But, like, of teams who have not won one at all, I can't think of another team off the top of my head that has a realistic chance, if we're being honest with ourselves, in a 12-team playoff NIL world of going and winning a title. I think Oregon might be the only one. So you're talking about outside of that bubble, right? Yeah, what non bubble? like a non-blue blood team. Yeah, I'm, saying, say no, I'm saying anybody who has not won a national title, that's yeah. the bubble. The bubble is teams have won a national title – the group who has not won it, they are the only team in that group that I think 
that I, I think might be, the, you know, have, have an opportunity to join that other group. To be consistently at that level. No, where, to yeah. win a no, national title. That, but yeah. you have to beat on the door a few times to, to have a chance to win it. I get what you're saying. Right, but that, yeah, that's all yeah. I was saying is to win a national title, like not beat on the door or Purdue the way you do gonna it. Win it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, no, I get what you, I, okay. I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. What I was saying is, that, yeah, but you have to be right there almost year after year after year rather than up and down like a Purdue would be right. or yeah. someone else would yeah. be. And so the look, answer to the end is I think you're right. Yeah, and look, that's not to say that like somebody like a UCF or a Purdue couldn't have that one special team that just runs through it, but it's hard to even predict that, right? I mean, right. you can't like, you know. What about it's Utah? Never been, yeah. There I, you go. That's why yeah. I put it up for debate. As yeah. Teams replica. have not won it, yeah. yeah. But okay. I don't know that I have faith that they're going to go win a 12-team playoff. So that's why I say Oregon is the only one that comes to mind that seems built to be able to – get in there and have all of the things at your disposal to go and be able to go and win a 12-team playoff world. Paxton said Washington, they did win it with Don James back in, <coughs> excuse me, 1990 with Steve Entman. So Washington has a national championship. So, But if, yeah, you look at all, and I, I would look at the Power Five or whatever they're called now, teams, man, there's got to be somebody on that list. Like you, may, What about Georgia Tech? They won a national title. Um so, yeah, the, most of them probably have, but the, to sit there and find one that has probably a more of an opportunity than Oregon, Paxton, Oregon State, what's going to happen with that? I mean, are you really think they're going to win a national title anytime soon, Oregon State? Honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, they, can they win the Pac-12 first or whatever? That's uh, no disrespect, but that's why I said, like, being honest about it, a 12-team playoff, there's a lot of teams that – may think they have a chance. They're not going to have a chance. So, barring them getting into a conference first, um, you know, making the playoffs one thing. I'm talking about winning a national title. I'm not talking about knocking on the door. I'm not talking about, like, getting there and getting close. I'm talking about just period, point blank, however you do it in whatever year you do it, just winning a national title. I don't see a path for Oregon State to roll through a playoff um, and and get that done right now. Um, Utah, I'm – Maybe, yeah, I could sort of see that one a little bit more. But Oregon's going to be in the Big Ten with Big Ten money, mm-hmm. with all the facilities and disposal. And so that's why I say, like, yeah, a chance to win a national title. They're the ones that just seem to jump out and, and have the makings of those who haven't done it yet. Of a program that has never won it. That's the thing. You, some of you are putting up schools that have won a national title before. Even A&M, they won one. It's been forever, almost 100 years, but they did have a, do have a national title. Uh, also, um, Chris, everyone should be happy and rejoiceful for college football start, uh, starting up again. Yeah, it's nice to go and start to see some games. A couple of other transfer portal notes or players coming back. Elijah Roberts was named on some of the All-American teams from SMU, has made the decision to come back and play for SMU as they open up their uh, newfound home in the ACC. Uh, Ten sacks on a part of SMU's top ten defense. Paul, you threw this one up here last night. Florida Atlantic wide receiver LaJonte Wester has entered the transfer portal 1,168 yards. Number two in the nation in receptions this year with 108. He now is available. Yeah, he. I mean, 108 receptions. Uh, he's going to get uh, some looks. He's good. He's a good player, uh, and you know he's he's trying to make that move up to the top five or to the to the power, whatever. We'll just call it power five for right now. I don't know what to. 
you know, power four, power conference football. Uh, he's going to be able to do that. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where he lands. Uh, but, yeah, 108 receptions is, is no small feat, uh, you know, through a 12-game season. So he's, what, 12 short of 10 a game. Uh, so he is someone who you can, can feed the, the rock to and, uh, and move the change. Not a, like a like good yardage, not maybe 108 receptions yardage that you would see, but really good stats. Uh, someone should be interesting to watch, especially for wide receiver needy teams in the portal. And uh, did that with, uh, with Tom Herman there at FAU. Uh, UC Realist, I, I know I have to say this, UCF was recognized by the Kali Matrix as a national championship team. The okay, second time I've heard it. that this week. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the second time I've heard that this week because I did mention when we were having our debate about Florida State, like boycotting or winning and putting up, like I don't want Florida State to claim a national championship. I don't. I think it plays better for them if they don't in the long term. Uh, but... Uh, because they've actually won three other ones before. So it wouldn't be their first one like it would have been UCF's. But, um, yes, yeah, so a friend of mine, John, uh, who's a big UCF fan, uh, I met him when we were in Orlando. Uh, he was one of the sponsors of the trip, uh, put up uh, Jack in, in the hotel. Uh, he said, yes, the key, let me know about the the Collie Matrix, which it is an official, like, thing that you know in the rules you can claim a national title if some recognized thing has given it to you and the debate is should the collie matrix have been recognized if you go to any football program and go to their wikipedia page and you type in national championships or you look for national championships there's under a list of claimed national titles unclaimed national titles and you also will find some that the dunkel index or the sagarin rating or in the case of Kali Matrix or others, and those are ones that are not recognized, no matter what, recognized among what were either the AP or UPI, and now, of course, you uh, have won uh, and have had one for quite some time with the BCS and now with what you have with the college football playoff. Um, Jack just sent this tweet to me uh, from Greg Biggins of 24-7 Sports. Malik Murphy has visits set up on today with Duke, uh, Tomorrow at Baylor, okay, and on or at least, and then the seventeenth, which is he's traveling a lot uh, with Oregon State. Wow, we're going to have Grayson on here in about twenty-five minutes or so on the uh, Daquan uh, Daquan Finn and his trip, the Toledo quarterback, and how's that going? Uh, he's been on the Baylor campus, and I thought was not going to leave until tomorrow, uh, whether he has a decision made uh, or not. Now, uh, we know about Oklahoma. They've had players who have left. They've also added some. Brent Venables was asked about the transfer portal. We have benefited from the, uh, we've benefited from the portal more often than not. We've benefited from guys that are starters from where they're leaving. They've left rosters where they were starters and are having good careers. So I'd be hypocritical if I said it's bad. What I like about college football is it teaches you how to have some stick to itness. This is opposite of that in some ways. Things aren't going your way. You feel free. You pack up. You roll down the road. That's cool. Everybody has an opportunity. I want to create. Uh, I want to. I want to create a connected, healthy environment that is way beyond the X's and O's, tackling, catching, blocking. That's who I've been since the day I got here. I've lived a career that way, so I'm not going to change in that regard. Doesn't mean they're not going to get in the portal because they've done it. But that was his, uh, basically with Caden Green and some of the players who have been miss, uh, been leaving. Uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds like every other coach that's talked about the transfer portal and said, you know, it's kind of the same sort of things, that we're not going to change our approach and, 
you know, this and that. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I, Caden Green wanted to go get money. Let's, let's stop dancing around it and just put it out there like Gabe Iker did last night. And you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if the rules are the way they are, then so be it. But um, the hand-wringing over every time a guy decides to leave a situation to go to the portal, I mean, I feel like we're kind of beyond that at this point. But, you know, Oklahoma fans, understandably, are upset and crying for tampering and you know, okay, well, you're like chapter 25 of the teams that have gone through something similar or have, you know, had to deal with some type of tampering over the last few years. So it's just, until you change it, it's going to be that way. And even Oklahoma is going to be on the receiving end of some of those types of decisions. And uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, you can't like change the program for Caden Green. So I think Venable said what he kind of had to say to, you know, be a leader and, and also you know, let his people know that they're doing everything that they can. And, you know, sometimes there's just things out of your control. But, like, I mean, he's not the first guy to leave a school, un- you know, abruptly mm-hmm. for money. He's not going to be the last guy, especially if the rules are basically no rules. So, um, yeah, that's just the environment you've created in college football, and everybody's going to deal with it at some point or another. So no crying over I, spilt milk. I get that you've got to get what you can when you can. Like, that's, you know – Something I'll just tell you, I probably haven't been good at in my life, you know. Uh, but uh, you have to, but you also have to consider other factors. I think that's, I think that's the thing I'd like to see. You know, you you, you worry about some guys jumping the. They're ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna jump in the portal. I'm gonna jump in the portal, and that's my way to get more money. But you're leaving Oklahoma, which is a legacy program. You know, to go get more money somewhere else. Like, are you going to well, get you're that? Well, you're probably making pretty good money anyway. Yeah. But are you going to make, like, how much more, like, how much more is, is more? And where does that set you up for, you know, being a, a professional and all that stuff? You know, I guess we'll see. I think it's case by case basis, but sometimes I think that particular decision uh, can be a little like you're, you might be looking at certain things through the wrong thing of like, I just need a total and I don't, I don't care about anything else. So if the, you know, well, yeah, we say I mean, how much is too much. People are always trying to make more money. Yeah, yeah and like, who, who are we to even know that? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not Caden Green. I'm not his family. So I don't know, 50000 extra dollars a semester or whatever kind of an offer he may receive, of which we don't know. And, I mean, I don't know, if, if I got 100000 extra dollars a year and I can move closer to home and I'm still in the SEC and I'm on a team in Missouri who, by the way, to answer my question, maybe that would be the second team behind Oregon of mm-hmm. teams that have a shot who have never won one to have a potential to win one here in the future. But beyond Oregon and maybe Missouri, all due respect to the Oregon State shout out there, but like to me, they're nowhere close right now to being one of those teams. But maybe over time they could be, but Oregon and Missouri are maybe about it. And I, I know some would pause heavily on Missouri, but point being – um, we don't, we're not these guys. Like we didn't grow up the way that, that some of them grew up. Some no. of them we grew up in the same neighborhood with, but Caden Green, I would know him yeah. from a hole in the wall. And so maybe whatever it is that whoever it is is offering is enticing enough. Obviously it is for them to, for him to jump into the portal. And, um, and I don't think he did that blindly. So yeah, we'll see where he lands, but there's already a couple landing spots that are obvious and, um, you know, and then again, we'll never know what the details are. We have, there's no contracts. There's no, you know, anything that has to make it public. So he's going to go make whatever he makes, wherever he makes it. And, you know, good for Oklahoma him. will have to, to move on. Yeah, good for him. And he, he, who knows, he might be somewhere else in a couple of years after that, wherever he ends up. And that's his life, his career. Do with it whatever you can. Later on in the show, Alabama hired a former Michigan linebackers coach. We'll have that. Also, the high school football state championship with a couple of connections to the game going on today that's been it's over and a 
beat Chapel Hill 26 to nothing and why that is something to deal with college football. We'll do that. Mitch Sherman from TheAthletic.com on the Dylan Riolo visit in Lincoln. Also, we'll hear from Grayson on the Dequan Finn visit to Baylor. Malik Murphy visiting Baylor uh, tomorrow, according to reports. And also, Josh Neighbors a little after four. This is 365 Sports. Don't miss the wrap-up-the-year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. As the year comes to a close, we're offering unbeatable deals and a wide selection of new 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee, Grand Cherokee L, Renegade, Gladiator, Wrangler, and the Wrangler 4XE. In addition to incredible savings, we're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle. Upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in. Hurry in. These deals won't last long. Shop our great selection of new inventory and start the new year in style. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction with a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you. Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. 
So much going on with players moving left and right. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll decommit. Maybe they'll sign somewhere else. Maybe they'll transfer portal or what? Mitch Sherman at TheAthletic.com joins us. He covers Nebraska. Dylan Riola in Lincoln. There also was the story about Kyle McCord, which seems to have evaporated. And Nebraska has a quarterback commitment, is also now looking around himself. Mitch, thanks for your time. Is there is there a positive that this is they're not being played, that the Huskers and Matt Rule are not being played by Dylan Riola? Never a dull moment, Smokey. Um, I yeah, I mean I don't think that they're being played by by Dylan and, and Dominic Riola, um, when you consider that Dominic father is a, a, a former all American at this school who has, has stayed very much connected with the program in the, in the two decades plus since he has graduated and, and enjoyed his, his NFL career and, and his brother, Donovan, who's, who's Dylan's uncle is the offensive line coach. So no, I, that's certainly not what's going on here. I mean, there's genuine interest and, and intrigue on the part of the Riola family, which, which has felt a pull to Nebraska uh, well, for, for as long as, as Dominic uh, has, has been connected with the program. But when it comes to Dylan, for the last two and a half years, he's been on the recruiting radar of Nebraska through coaching changes and interim, and interim staff. And, and now Matt Rule going into year two, they've very much been invested, this new staff has, in, in Riola from, from the beginning when he committed decommitted from Ohio State last December, a year ago right now, and then uh, was on on the uh, on the radar for Nebraska. Then he was off the radar when he committed to Georgia in May, and now here in the eleventh hour, he's back. Mitch, how does their pursuit of Dylan Riola affect their pursuit of a transfer quarterback? Yeah, I think it is pretty much uh, ends the pursuit of a transfer quarterback. At least, at least in this in this part of the off season, uh, we'll see where they're at with QB depth. Um, okay, first of all, let's you know we're we're jumping past the the what what needs to happen for them to feel okay next week, and that's that's that that Dylan Raiola, who's visiting Lincoln right now, flew in this morning from Georgia, that he does in fact go ahead and flip his commitment to Nebraska, signs with Nebraska next week, and then enrolls in class and is, is a part of this program in January. If you get to the spring, they've got two returning quarterbacks on scholarship who started games this past season there were three who started games one Jeff Sims is is gone to the portal already so they'll assess where they're at and perhaps you can get back to a spot in April or May where Nebraska's looking in the portal for for somebody to add depth or to come in and be a mentor type if you're going to start a true freshman which seems to be the direction that it's trending but there's a lot to be determined between here on December 15th and what would happen um, next week, next month when school reconvenes in, in March and April and spring practice, the portal after that, and then you, know, you get into camp in, in, in August. That's a, that's, a lot of, um, that's a lot of moments that are still difficult to predict. Mitch, uh, Nebraska finds itself there in kind of the, the top the 20s, the top 25 of the, the recruiting rankings as it stands right now. Obviously, would get a, a big bump uh, from a guy like Riola, but what's the feel around Matt Rule's recruiting and how does it stack up compared to recent years? Uh, is there optimism? Is it growing? How, how do you see that right now? Yeah, it's been a really interesting, a really interesting ebb and flow with this class because, we, we, you know, he came in and it was a fire drill 
to put together that 2023 class and they, they had 12 transfers that were a part of that group of newcomers and signed 20 some odd players. So a big group of, of, of new players last season. And, and then, you know, signing day happened and immediately it was okay. Turn the attention to 24 because this is where they can really sink their energy into and, and, and take time to get to develop relationships with the players in this class. And they shot high from the very beginning. It was all about Dylan Raiola. And he was on the market. He was decommitted from Ohio State. And the thought when he decommitted from Ohio State, which happened shortly after Matt Rule took over at Nebraska, was that the door was open for Nebraska. And, and Nebraska looked like the favorite at the beginning there, um, like this time 12 months ago, 9, 10, 11 months ago. Uh, and, and there was a ton of excitement and energy, not just around Raiola, but around the guys that, that he – enticed to come and visit Nebraska in, in March last year. They had a weekend in March where Raiola was like the centerpiece of the recruiting weekend, but there were four and five star players from all over the country, like Ryan Wingo, the receiver from St. Louis, who's committed to, uh, to, to Missouri, like Brandon Baker and, and his teammate, Nate Frazier, offensive lineman and running back from Santa Ana Mater Day, who are highly ranked players and, and others too. And, and really when Raiola, um, pledged to Georgia in May, Nebraska had to, to to reinvent the way that it was it was handling this recruiting class, and they went and got a local quarterback who you mentioned a few minutes ago, um, Smokey D- Daniel Kalen out of Bellevue, Nebraska, which is Omaha, and um, and built the class around him with Midwestern kids, and there's a couple of top 100 players in it. It's a good group. It compares somewhat similarly to to the kind of classes that they've signed when they've, when they've been healthy and, you know, not on the verge of firing a coach, but uh, yeah, uh, adding Riola and maybe a couple pieces that he could bring with them would, would bump them up uh, undoubtedly. How in the world did they end up with such an atrocious turnover plague quarterback room? Well, uh, first they lost Casey Thompson and, you know, that's where things started to go wrong in, in, in retrospect. Uh, it didn't necessarily seem like it at the time. Nebraska made a choice, again, at this time a year ago, to take Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech out of the transfer portal. And Sims had been up and down in his three seasons in the ACC and had some turnover issues early in his career, but seemed to have put those in the past last year and just needed a fresh start. And he's six foot four, 225 pounds, was an athlete who could get outside the pocket, do a lot of things in the offense that looked attractive to Matt rule and, and his OC Marcus Satterfield. And, and, you know, they, they, they didn't hand him the job, but they gave him every opportunity to win the job. And, and Casey Thompson, the Texas, uh, the former Texas starter was coming off of a, of a, a decent season, you know, where he played okay. Nebraska didn't have a winning record in 2022, the season where Scott Frost was fired, but Casey, was okay when he was healthy and, and he wasn't healthy at the end of the year. So he didn't have an opportunity in the spring to compete with Jeff Sims and, and, and Thompson went to the portal um, after the spring when he just knew that it was going to be a, a, a difficult battle for him to be able to start in his sixth season of college football. So he goes to, to Florida Atlantic and, and Sims basically had the job and, and they liked what they, they thought they liked what they had with him, but they didn't like what they saw on the field in the first two weeks of the season and losses on the road at Minnesota and, Colorado and, and they turned the ball over eight times and Sims was responsible for most of that and he got hurt and and they had two inexperienced quarterbacks behind him and the next thing you know they've turned it over 31 times and, and which leads the nation and and their turnover margin was was just about last in the nation so that's uh that's how it happened 
what's other than you know locking down Riola? What is the next priority for them, or the most important thing that they get done here in the next week? Well, their class is pretty much set. You know, there's a few visitors who are coming in, and it's very likely that if Riola um, commits, or you know, he may just announce on signing day, but but people around the program are going to know, and I think other recruits are going to know. Um, his decision, wh- whether it comes out publicly on Sunday or Monday, or he just waits until Wednesday to go ahead and, sit and sign and let everybody know then. Um, it's very likely that they can add a couple of more pieces, but it's a numbers crunch right now, like it is with most teams nationally that have players who still still have these COVID years on their resumes, and it's hard to get to. Um, you know, it's 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 not a situation where you're you're trying to find bodies to get up to 85. It's like you're at a hundred um, and then you, you got to find a way to get down to 85 by, by August. And that's the place that Nebraska's in, not, not at a hundred right now, but not far from it. And you can't add too many recruits to that at this stage. So if this process with, with Rayola had happened where he, where he went through uh, having a change of heart and, and decided to flip. And it was like in August or September, Nebraska probably could have gotten more out of it. And as far as the other players that it was bringing in alongside him, Uh, it'll be somewhat limited. So the class is what it is for the most part right now, with the exception, obviously, of him and maybe one or two pieces. Mitch, how did just the program kind of handle, Matt Rule handle, and the the fans handle that final stretch? I mean, it seemed like a bowl game was absolutely within their grasp, which would have been a a great accomplishment there in year number one. And then just that four-game slide to end the year with some brutally close losses. I mean, I guess on the one hand, you're you're in every game, right? But on the other hand, like, how did that kind of go over uh, that last month of the season? Yeah, the fans and the players have been through that before, and they they went through it during during the frost years where, you, you know, you had close games and the rally cry was, hey, we're close. And, and, and so that doesn't really resonate that much. You know, they're not really into losing losing close games. That's not the desired outcome. And there's not a whole lot of happiness that comes out of, of that, especially when it was the situation that you mentioned in November where Nebraska gets to five and three going into the month and it's just going to take one more win. And, you know, Matt Rule saying, hey, I don't just want to get bowl eligible. I want to win all the games. And they're like, okay, well, hey, let's go nine and three or eight and four. And, um, and you end up five and seven with with November featuring uh, November in the last part of October featuring uh, actually they 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 stayed on they were unbeaten in October so it was all in November three three losses by a field goal and then another one in overtime at Wisconsin and, and you know they all they all went down to the wire the Iowa game at the end where you still had you still had hopes of getting the, to bowl eligibility you know you throw an interception with thirty seconds left in the game it's tied and then Iowa it's really its only offensive movement of the entire second half and kicks a, a walk-off field goal with its backup kicker as time expires. Just like the most the most excruciating ways to lose, and that's been the story for Nebraska for a while, and that's the way it went with Rule in year one. But, you know, people are, are still excited about him and, and like him and, and certainly like the way that he communicates and what he brings to the program and, and the, you know, the – the demeanor that he has, um, he's, he's very, very, very likable, as, as you guys know. And, and that's earned him a lot of, um, I would say, a lot of patience, but it can't last forever. And, you know, if we're sitting here having this discussion a year ago, a, a year from now, for whatever reason, it's, it's because the true freshman has a bad year, he gets injured or, or whatever, whatever goes wrong. There's, there's, if, if, the, if it's like this again, um, <laughs> there won't be that kind of patience. So he has, he has some, some urgency. You know, there's urgency every, every year. There's urgency in year one, but it, it goes up in year two, and it, and it will no matter what happens 
here over the next week for Matt Rule in 2024. And we we did ask him this the last time we we had him on our show about uh, you know maybe because the conference is changing, morphing uh, at least a little bit of what you do schematically. Do you expect to see any of that? Because again, the um, the Big Ten West is over, so you can't. Um, Iowa's mm-hmm. not going to be able to win the same way that they have. You know, the, you know mm-hmm. Minnesota's going to have to change. Like, all these schools, Wisconsin's the first one who made the, you know, kind of the big flip. But um, you still have to deal with your the stadium you play in and the weather you'll play in, especially in the wintertime. But do you expect to see some morphing to, to maybe what they do and the kind of players that they try to bring into Nebraska? Yeah, I, I mean, they ran the offense that they did last season out, out of necessity because – of injuries, not just to the quarterback spot and experience at the quarterback spot, but injuries at wide receiver and defections at wide receiver. Nebraska lost one of its best receivers who just walked away from football during training camp in August. And then they, and then the injury started in the opener. And, and suddenly they've got true freshmen out there who were asked to be, to be starting games when they expected these guys to redshirt or, or maybe work their way into backup roles where they played in more than four games, certainly not starting. And, and those guys progressed, and that's going to help Nebraska down the road that they got that experience, but it didn't help them uh, in 2024. So they had to resort to this, this kind of makeshift offense and change on the fly, and they're running the option and you know doing things that, that Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, was not comfortable with. Nebraska ended the season um, throwing, on average, more passes than only – Air Force, Army, and Navy in the entire FBS. So that's not where they want to be, and that's not where they're going to be if Dylan Raiola is the quarterback. They're not bringing him in to, to run the option. The option will be will be out. That's it. He's not. That's not. That's not the quarterback that he is. You will not see that play in the playbook. They'll run more of a pro style system. They're not going to go air raid. Um, I, I I can't see that. Um, it's not like Phil Longo at, at, at Wisconsin where you just do it's a, it's a it's a it's a complete flip with what your philosophy is, but they're going to throw the ball, um, and that's going to be the future no matter who, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, certainly, if it's Raiola next year, then then you'll see him put it in the air, um, you know, considerably more than than what we saw in 2023. All right, Mitch, let's wind it on down with the the real big story in Lincoln. Uh, what's the buzz for the volleyball national championship game in Nebraska and uh, the Texas Longhorns? Yeah, that's really all the buzz. I mean, if this wasn't the week before signing day and you had the the top quarterback in the country or the number two quarterback in the country on an official visit, um, everyone would be talking only about that. And and really everyone is is talking about volleyball. You saw on TV last night the um, the arena full of red in in Tampa as Nebraska took out Pitt in the semifinal and wasn't really challenged. So now they get Texas. And, um, you know, they've been down this road before. They're, They're historic rivals and have met two other times in the national championship match with Nebraska winning both, but Texas has, has had its moments for sure where it's got the best of Nebraska, just not in the on, on the absolute biggest stage. So um, it's great theater, um, great drama. I mean, either way for Nebraska after it won last night, you're either going to play Wisconsin, which has been its nemesis in the Big Ten, or Texas, which is its arch enemy, like across the board, you know, from the Big yeah. 12 days. And volleyball is at the top of that list. So, uh, I yeah, there's going to be a lot of people watching, I would imagine, on Sunday in, in, in your state and in the state that I'm in and, and probably around the country just because of the uh, the entertainment value and the storylines. And this is a team, um, this Nebraska team is one that has for sure captured the imagination and the hearts of, of, 
of all Nebraska fans, you know, from the beginning of the year when they played in front of 92,000 people at the football stadium all the way up until uh, this weekend in Tampa. Mitch, thank you. There'll be like 19,999, whatever in attendance. They'll have massive ratings. Texas, the defending champion. Uh, obviously, with Skinner, she's fantastic. Unless they're the defending national titles, the number two seed. They're playing for the national title against Nebraska, who has been number one most of the year. They beat Wisconsin, but also were swept by Wisconsin, who Texas just hammered, and they did last night in the semifinals. Coming up next, Grayson Grunhafer on how is the visit with Daquan Finn going. This is 365 Sports. Yeah, I got one thing before we go, though, and uh, thanks to Miss Sherman, but uh, the courts out west uh, ruling on the Oregon State-Washington State situation. There was uh, the big review to come on whether yeah. they were going to have the stay still in place, and that was basically right that uh, Oregon State and Washington State had basically one control of everything, but then there was that stay that said, yeah. well, you can't make a decision and you know do anything without it being massive, you know, the, the yeah. full approval of the, the former 10. So then today... There was expected to be a decision on that decision and just moving forward what that's going to look like. And the Washington High Court, per John Wilner, has denied the request for a review and the stay is lifted. So that means that Washington State and Oregon State are now moving forward and they are in control once again. And uh, there's a lot of other particulars to it. But basically, Washington State and Oregon State won this round and uh, and now they, they move on and what they move on and what that looks like. Still need to sort through some of that, but uh, this was a big decision today for them. Yep, there you go. That that was something that uh, Mitt Winter, who's a Texas, uh, not Texas, but a sports law uh, advisor, he put that out there yesterday along with many other things. We'll get to more of that as well, and that thing continues to be like a pickleball or tennis court, back and forth, back and forth. When we come back, Grayson Grunhafer, this is 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com, Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. If you're 25, maybe 30, even 35, perhaps that's not a problem. You might be 45, everything's good, then all of a sudden everything starts to change. Your energy's not the same. It's father time. Things happen. Some have uh, issues with their, uh, I guess you could say, cholesterol, blood pressure, Some have issues that just kind of come with whoever they are and what the DNA might be. But also, some have problems with testosterone dropping. And when your testosterone level drops, there's a lot of things that can go with it. For example, you could also gain more weight. Yeah, you might have a terrible diet and not exercise, but low testosterone could also hurt you when it comes to weight gain. Sex drive, ED, sleep, habits, also focus. Are you lethargic? Here's what Dr. Petty can do. Contact him, PettyClinicLowT.com. He will set you up to get your blood work, take care of that, and then get the results and get back in touch with you if your testosterone level is too low. Put you in a program so you can become the high-performance man you want to be, used to be and need to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. 
Centennial MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, 6 to 8 pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread and cold beer and wine. Tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Here we go, this late 3 o'clock hour. Grayson Grunhafer, Sikkim365.com and 365 Sports. Follows like a hawk recruiting the transfer portal and much more. And joins Craig and Paul and David Smoke. Grayson, uh, have you had any kind of feedback whatsoever on Daquan Finn at Baylor University, the quarterback out of Toledo? You know, not a ton quite yet. Now, remember, he's going to have his visit through tomorrow afternoon. So he will have been at Baylor for roughly three days, kind of like a normal official visit would be for a high school recruit as well. Um, but, yeah, nothing, nothing substantial yet to report on kind of Anything other than, you know, the same that you would hear, the visits going well, things like that. That's about it. Um, but obviously, some very intriguing news that came out today, which I'm sure we're going to talk about just literally like mm-hmm. 30 minutes ago about Malik Murphy. But I, I think right now it's important to remember that, you know, Baylor bringing Daquan Finn on a visit first. He's the first quarterback to take an official visit to Baylor since the transfer portal opened. He's also the first offer that they put out at the quarterback position and technically the only offer uh, until I believe about 30 minutes ago. But yeah, th- this is a very interesting situation. And Ben, obviously a very, very good player, the max player of the year this past season. And it's been really, really good the last three years. Honestly, I know a lot of people just talked about this past year, but he's got a lot of reps behind him, a lot of experience behind him, which makes you, you know, really optimistic about what he could bring to the table at Baylor. Uh, for his one year of eligibility. 
Um, so you know Baylor's definitely looking at him and definitely making him a priority right now on this trip. So if it comes down to it, Grayson, who would they rather have? Yeah, you know, I think that that is a, one of those questions that I think is hard to answer at this very moment just because you got to remember Murphy entered the portal yesterday. I mean, this was a quick, quick turnaround and process for him to decide where he was going to visit, to try to get visits in before the dead period on Monday. And he put down three of them. I believe it's Duke, Baylor, and then Oregon State's the third. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's still up in the air. I, I think as of right now, I would probably um, think that Finn is probably the fit just because you would have you know him and Sora Robertson uh, kind of stack these next two years. But on the flip side, guys, Malik Murphy, I mean, a physical specimen, a guy who's been working with Steve Sarkeesian for two years now, a guy who's 19 years old still at this very moment. He doesn't turn 20 till February. Um, just the, 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 just thinking about his talent and thinking about what he could become, the ceiling is very, very high there. Uh, but I do think that you're obviously taking on some inherent risk. Uh, if you're going to bring in someone who's, you know, only really played, you know, a handful of meaningful snaps, two games this past year is really the only, you know, substantial evidence that you have about, you know, who he is and what he is currently, even if you think the future is really, really bright for him. Were you shocked to see that, that Baylor visit come across uh, social media a few minutes ago, or were you kind of expecting that maybe they could be involved? You know, I think the the bigger shock for me was that Baylor got the official visit before the dead period. I, I kind of felt like they might bring in another quarterback later, kind of see what happens with Daquan Finn, and then go from there uh, once the port, you know, once things reopen after the dead period and at the very beginning of January. Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised to see them get another quarterback on a visit so quickly, but I do know. The staff is working tirelessly to try to get guys that they want on campus these next couple days. Um, so it's going to be, I mean, fast and heavy. I mean, they got one of their priority offensive linemen on campus um, today. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of a lot of time and effort, I think, being put into getting guys that they want on campus right before this initial dead period to maybe, you know, add some commitment before things close up for a little bit. You think it would be disappointing if they didn't come out with a quarterback this weekend and or at least two or three transfers? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's probably where I'm at now. Um, because if you're getting two cracks at quarterbacks and, you know, both of them having taken at least one official visit before Baylor, um, I, I do believe that now you're in a situation where you should be able to pick which one you like more. I mean, you should be able to, to make that decision after tomorrow um, and hopefully land one of them, right? Because, you know, it's two sides there. You know, Baylor can want their top guy all they want, but then on the flip side, you know, does that player want to go ahead and make a decision quickly? Um, my hunch is, is that, you know, both these guys are trying to take this process pretty quickly um, and, and find their next landing spot. And so I would, I would guess that Baylor's probably going to figure out who their quarterback is is or who's going to be competing with Sora Robertson for that starting quarterback spot uh, by the end of this weekend. And then obviously, yes, I, I do think that they should land a couple commits uh, over the weekend as well. It'd be pretty disappointing if they didn't. Grayson, what do you think um, is the next domino to fall outside of quarterback in the transfer portal? Yeah, you know, uh, a rather interesting one that I, I think is 
maybe kind of a, a little bit of an obvious one, but I don't know if y'all caught this, but UNLV uh, transfer safety Cameron Jenkins entered the portal this week, um, and he's on official visit to Baylor this weekend. And, of course, he's the twin brother of Caden Jenkins. Um, and Caden posted something on his Instagram earlier this week with his brother in it. And it just kind of seems like that could be something that, that is in the works to have both Jenkins brothers on campus at the same time, which I would be rather interesting. Cameron had 32 tackles at UNLV this past year. He plays safety, which is a position that Baylor needs to address in the transfer portal. Uh, it almost makes too much sense. So I, I do think that that could be maybe the quickest domino to happen, but I, I do think that there's some other guys out there. Baylor's done a really nice job, I think, in this early uh, part of the transfer portal, getting guys that they want on campus. And now we'll see if they're able to close the deal and see if they're able to, you know, add some of these guys, uh, you know, to a commitment list before the dead period begins. Baylor's got their O-line coach. Uh, I was planning on asking you about that, but then I remembered that uh, there was a tweet I saw last night from one Alex Foster, longtime Baylor commit, that let it be known he would be visiting Austin this weekend, and Texas has long been a threat there. I know that previously you said you wouldn't be too worried about it unless he's scheduled a visit. Well, he's scheduling a visit the weekend before National Signing Day. So what are your thoughts on Alex Foster and this engagement from UT? Yeah, this is a huge turn, right? Because I think the more that we kind of talked about, you know, Alex and the more that, you know, we got past that initial wave of Texas interest, we started to see he took a visit to Baylor, got really excited, was all in with Baylor, came to another game before the end of the year, was all in with Baylor. Um, And now, just yesterday, I was literally exchanging messages with him, and he said he wasn't sure if he was going to sign even and, and sign meaning sign in December even and so you know we talked about that a little bit and he said he's going to take obviously this official visit uh, to Texas um, but it is interesting it, it seems like he is kind of torn right now on whether he signs early and maybe sticks with Baylor in the long run or gets to know Texas a little bit more maybe drags out his recruitment a little bit longer into February, which obviously would not be ideal for Baylor just because they've spent so much time into this relationship. And um, Alex is a really talented player and, and a guy who is actually, you know, he and Kylan Reed are my top prospects in this class rankings wise. And so to lose a guy like that, especially in the trenches uh, this late in the process uh, would be very tough. Now, if you want to take an optimistic look or just kind of, think about it in a way that's maybe positive for Baylor is that if he does decide to flip to Texas, um, that would be another spot uh, for Baylor to potentially use uh, in the transfer portal. But again, I I don't think that that reward is worth losing one of the most talented players in your recruiting class. Grayson Grunhaver, 365 Sports. Of the two that are on campus right now, Robertson and Martinez, who's now on scholarship, which of those two fits what uh, Jake Spavital wants to do, no matter who else might join the fray? Um, you know, for me, I really think that it's still Sora Robertson in that instance. And I, I think that the thing about him is that he's been in that air raid scheme. He obviously learned a lot from Mike Leach during his time at Mississippi State. And so I actually think he's a really good fit for this team. And that's why I don't think even if a quarterback comes in that they should that he should be discounted at all. I think it's going to be an open competition. He's going to get an opportunity to go out there and compete uh, for the job. But I do think that 
Sawyer is, is a guy who's a really good fit. And he's got that dual threat uh, ability with his size, his strength, his speed. And I think that fits really well with everything that Jake Spavadol wants. And, you know, honestly, I think we got to see it a little bit last year, but his deep ball down the sideline, um, those throws, which are going to be very important to spread teams vertically uh, in this offense, were really, really impressive. So I'm curious to see him continue to uh, make that leap and continue to take that jump. But, yeah, I think Sawyer is um, right now the better fit for Jake Spavitol's offense. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Grayson will be tied up with all those text calls, et cetera, when it comes to Finn, to Malik Murphy with official visit coming up tomorrow, and then – also with a lot of others. And normally, let's be honest, that Texas, uh, when they jump into somebody, whether it's a little bit of interest, if it simmers or it's lukewarm, but when they get involved, what, what would you say the percentage that most likely they're going to end up with that player? Like 95%. Yeah, I, I mean, so. I, yeah. I, I don't expect Alex Foster to make it past the weekend as a Baylor commit. I mean, that's just me personally with no absolute insight whatsoever. And if he does, then, you know, good for them. But... Um, not trying to be pessimistic about it. I just trying to be realistic about it. I mean, he's going down to Austin the weekend before National Signing Day. They're playing in the college football playoff. They got NIL money, uh, you know, falling out of every orifice on their bodies. I mean, and, you know, it's a, it's a big recruiting weekend. So he's going to get wowed and um, wined and dined. And, you know, if he gets out on the other side of that and still decides to sign with Dave Aranda and company, then what a massive monumental win that would be for the Bears. But, you know, I'm not going to bank on it or hold my breath that that that'll be the case. So we'll see. It's part of the late recruiting cycle drama that we get every single year. It just so happens that that's now a storyline as of uh, last night that has become front and center for uh, the, the Baylor program, but yeah, we'll, we'll see on that. And going back, uh, just to follow up on kind of what I had to squeeze in there before we got to Grayson um, with Washington State and Oregon State. Again, the Washington Supreme Court has denied a request to review uh, the Oregon State Washington State lawsuit with the former Pac 10 members or soon to be former uh, Pac 10 members. So there was a stay. That meant that all of the full control that they had originally been awarded, the money and the network and all those things was basically put on pause. It was a stay. And that has now been overturned. So um, full control of the conference is now in the hands of the Beavers and the, uh, and the Cougars. And that means all of the assets and the money and all those different things now. John Wilner did follow up and say that they still have to act within reason. Like they can't just start, you know, going crazy and spending you know, they're doing crazy stuff with uh, with these assets. Um, but, you know, that's a big win for them. That's a big win for them. That clears up their future um, in terms of the money that they'll be working with and how enticing that might be to others. And we know now, as of yesterday, they've got their full Mountain West-related conference schedule put together. But beyond that, like we talked about, like they've only planned for a year. And we know the basketball is now working on getting their – 2024 schedule but this was the big hang up in everything was where are the assets going where's the money going who's in control all those things so uh based on this that is now fully washington state and oregon state they are the pack two they are in control of the pack two conference and whatever that is going to look like um so yeah that's a it's a very big day for the cougars and the uh and the huskies all right, uh, man, it's just a, it's a constant back and forth like a tug of war 
And who knows what it might be by sometime this uh, this time next week. All right, when we come back, a lot more to get to. Josh Neighbors uh, with his show he does here on the show, The Neighborhood Watch, and uh, his thoughts about what's going on with the transfer portal, but also with college football as we're about to hit. Finally, thank God, some games coming up this weekend. This is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI. I, uh, I had a scan the other day. Um, it's one of those full body scans from head down to mid thigh. Um, and it was, I was like, uh Oh, this is one of those things where you feel like you're getting buried alive because you have to get into one of these tunnels. It was really a, a very, very smooth. Um, the same can be said, despite the fact that a couple of different occasions, I have been spooked by going inside of an MRI machine. Cause I'm claustrophobic as hell. But I have never had that problem at Ideal MRI. And I'm not saying that because they're a sponsor. They became a sponsor because I've endorsed them even before then because I've used their company. They're going to find out what is bothering you, whether it's a muscle, a ligament, or something that shouldn't be where it is, or maybe find out, look, there's nothing there. Uh, so that's not a problem. Unless there's something that should be there that's not there. Uh, $497 or less every single time. The average MRI is $1,100. And you're going to get that kind of a deal every time. Thanks to Dr. Rob Maxey, the great techs and specialists, those who help set up the appointment and greet you when you arrive inside the Central Texas Marketplace just off of I-35 in Waco. IdealMRI.com. Oh, Richard Carr, Buick GMC, how lovely are your know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student-athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student-athletes. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website site www.gxg.startupwaco.com This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, a couple of things here. One of the things about the chat room is people can go firing back and forth. Sometimes it can get a little bit crazy. I'm one of the worst. Uh, but I, I want to make sure we all understand we all have an opinion, and we love that you're in it. We really do. Stan, who has been at times a little annoying, honestly, like I have been to him. Stan, is this appropriate now for you that we have Oklahoma State's helmet right here next to me? So now you can be happy with the Cowboys right here on the set. If they didn't see it, look, we have something to just know, and we're about to get to Josh. We have two sets that we move helmets back and forth between. We have this one, and then we have the other one over here uh, to my left. Uh, so if you don't see your helmet on there, it's either we don't no, have one. we hate those schools. <laughs> it's because we either don't have one, and you can send us one. We're happy to take it. Uh, or uh, it's over on the other set. It's so. a pretty nice-looking helmet. I, I yeah. do love the new modern helmet, by the way. Okay, here we go. 
Uh, Josh Neighbors joins us from the Big 12 Watch. He's with us on 365 Sports on Fridays just after 4 o'clock. Josh, what is your take on Baylor trying to juggle what they're doing with Sawyer Robertson, with what they're doing with R.J. Martinez, and then all of a sudden now a visit from Malik Murphy and Daquan Finn's on campus today? Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, as always. Well, you know, the one thing we know about this business is it's a talent acquisition business, right? You can never have too much talent on your team. And, you know, I think that's, I mean, look at the NFL right now. Look at the amount of backup quarterbacks that are currently playing in the NFL. Like, if you can have depth at the most important position, you know, and arguably in pro and college sports, the quarterback spot, uh, that's good. I think, obviously, for Baylor, you know, the big thing is, it's nice to have options, and they have to find the right option. Uh, Jake Spavo has to find the correct option. But uh, Murphy, you know, I, I think the one thing they didn't do a whole lot this year, and I believe that was by design, was run him a lot. We, we've heard about how athletic, and, and, you know, you can scoot a little bit. But I think because he's the backup, obviously, and they don't have a ton of confidence yet in Arch, which, like once again, he's 18 and 19, right? So I think they wanted to make sure they protected the quarterback there. So that, that's kind of the element that I'm wondering about. We didn't really get to see because, obviously, he's a passer. He's not quite where you'd like him to be, but that's you know, he hasn't had a lot of reps in games. So uh, I like that. Daquan Finn, fantastic. Uh, he's been a fantastic player, Toledo. Um, that would be a guy I think would come and obviously make a, make a pretty considerable impact. And then Robertson, you know, I guess you all would be better you know, on this. And obviously I've watched him play, but like, the, I guess the mileage of Baylor fans is at different places. I'm a big believer that guys get better as they get older. I think it just happens in college. Will Howard being the prime example. Uh, I thought he was terrible for a while. And then I'm like, Oh, you know what? He got old. He got good. The game slowed down. And that's how that happens for guys. You know, I actually, I thought Hunter Deckers might have the same thing happen to him this year. Obviously, you know, he was not, you know, didn't play. But uh, I think that can happen for a guy like Sawyer Robertson. So despite the struggles, there is, uh, you know, there's precedent for a player like that to improve. So obviously, I won't get all these guys. I mean, if they did, miraculous. But, you know, if you can keep two or three, you're in pretty good shape. Josh, uh, you know, just to continue on our Oklahoma State bit here, uh, they have not, like, of all the portal quarterbacks taking visits, Oklahoma State would be one that I would think might be more involved in that, and they haven't really made any noise there yet. Does that surprise you? And, uh, you know, they're running to the end of where the the, the dead period is going to start here. Yeah, I don't know if this is a confidence in Alan Bowman getting another year because I've, I've heard about that, and I don't know how somebody's got to walk me through that because that one, I mean, he has been there since I was in college. So, like, he has been, and I, I graduated, guys, I graduated from college four years ago yesterday, and Alan Bowman and I, you know, spent a couple years, I believe, in college at the same time. So, uh, that is, that is, yeah, he's been around for a while. I do not know how he has eligibility left. But, yeah, this is Mike Gundy's management of the quarterback room has been Honestly, like I know Bowman's been fine. It's been horrific. It has been nothing short of horrific. I mean, guys like Spencer Sanders sat on the bench at Ole Miss this year, did not play behind Jackson Dart. And from everything that I was told, you know, from people in the know, Robert Allen over there at Oakland State, uh, he said, hey, you know, Spencer had an interest in coming back. And Mike Gundy in the bowl practice said, no, we've moved on. Well, clearly they hadn't because they played three separate guys to start off the year. So they did not actually have a, a, a definite answer. And the guy they ended up rolling with was not on the roster during bowl practice, obviously, last year. So I am, you know, maybe they have a plan. Sure, uh, Garrett Rangel might be the guy. I don't know. But, man, you know, 
with how well that team can coach and the fact they've got Ollie Gordon coming back next year, they need to figure out something solid at quarterback. And look, Alan Bowman was not terrible, but you can do better than that. Oklahoma, we know Oklahoma State can do better than that. And um, I think at times this year it was like, yeah, their offense kind of was what it was. You know, it's they, they were they were not built to play from behind. They were very reliant on one guy and blocking well, and also a couple pretty good wide receivers. So I am surprised that they have not been more active in terms of being linked to guys. Josh, uh, Texas Tech's going to get Big 12 Bowl season started off uh, this weekend. And uh, they got Micah Hudson locked down now ahead of National Signing Day. Um, you know, really uh, now heading into year three with some steam with Joey McGuire. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a matter of are you going to finish seven and six? You're going to finish six and seven. And six and seven would, would be, I think, a, a disappointment. But just what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Texas Tech and kind of what they've got going on uh, moving forward in, in terms of the new Big 12 and, and their place in that landscape? Yeah, the expectations were unrealistic this year. And uh, the, the other thing, though, I think people have to understand is, like, this is still positive momentum. I looked, you know, recently at when they've had back-to-back winning seasons since Mike Leach left. They've never actually had a same coach have back-to-back winning seasons. When they've done it, it's been separate coaches. So having that continuity, just building positivity is is good. And, you know, I think that's a big point I like to make about how winning is not always linear. Like Texas, Texas actually did the straight line. That really is not how it works. You know, Chris Kleiman had an up year than a down year, but like he's built that thing into a solid, uh, you know, solid thing there at K State. Lance Lightpool, like they're not going to win eight, nine games every single year, but if they win six next year, even if that's less than this year, it's three straight bowl seasons. That's awesome for a school like a Kansas. So back to back bowl seasons with the recruiting that they're having and also staff continuity is big too. I think the one thing I look at is this is that. They didn't make sure they keep Aaron Warren healthy. Uh, and honestly, they didn't keep any quarterback healthy, right? This is the second year in a row that we've seen them have to go play three quarterbacks. And, guys, they, they played three quarterbacks, like, pretty early into the season. And I forget which game Jake Strong actually had to come in and play, but they played all three guys last year, too, Donovan Smith, Aaron Morton, and Tyler Shuck. So I thought Kitley did a good job adjusting the rushing attack to being primarily backs, guys like Taj Brooks, who's coming back, which is good, and taking less off the quarterbacks – uh, plate and now also we know too Baron Morton's their guy moving forward. They're losing some receivers and stuff in the portal and whatnot, but uh, they get a win tomorrow. It's another and Jay Knotts out for Cal, so that's gonna be a pretty big boost for them. Another winning season just starts stacking them, and you lose Texas and Oklahoma, it's better opportunities, and so stacking winning seasons to get to a place like where K State is, where you know you can then elevate. I think is what Texas should want to do. Josh Craig brought this up uh, earlier today on the show. Other than schools who are who have won national titles, not regularly, but they've won a national title. Let's just say over the last sixty years or so, which takes us back into the in the sixties. Which school in college football in today's America, today's rules, NIL, transfer portal, everything, who has never won a national title might be the one that does. And I know that that uh, it's a big, huge net to throw over. And I'll give you one of the schools he mentioned was Oregon. Who might else be a part of that list that has not won a national title? Yeah, it gets strange, too, because you know, we're going back to the point where, like, they voted on titles, right? So it's you know, kind of the weird claim, unclaimed, like yeah. the AP, but all that kind of stuff. But, um, man, it's a really good question. You know, it's it gets to kind of the heart of the of all the expansion and whatnot is like what schools are actually in position to do it, 
right? I would love to say a Big 12 school is, but the big problem is now that a Big 12 school is going to have to win at least three games to win a championship. And TC won one last year and got dog walked in the second one, right? And I mean, <laughs> yeah. it didn't. And I'm, so laughing at, it, I'm not laughing at TCU, but you're right. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, dog walked. So, yeah. Like it, it's that, that's that's the challenge, right? Is that and, and look, we saw Utah, right? Utah went to back to back Rose Bowls, and I know Cam Rising gets hurt in the second one, but. Ohio State had like the skeleton crew, and their skeleton crew is pretty good. But like, that was skeleton crew for Ohio State in that game, they beat Utah. And I know Utah had the injuries too, but like that is, you know, they weren't even able to win those games. And so that is the big challenge is stacking wins together. And I'm trying to think about ACC programs that can do it. I mean, North Carolina like feels like they're threatening, but they don't actually have the roster to do it. Um, and I'm trying to think, I mean, the SEC is there, you know, hey, look, I think Ole Miss is in position to have a – they're spending some serious cash. Um, I mean, guys, they are active in that portal. That defense, which needs to be better, they're getting a lot of guys. I don't know how serious it will be in the end, but they are making a push for next year. They could be a team that I could see – I don't think they – I don't believe at least that they have one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like those those are kind of the ones that I think you're looking at as a school like an Ole Miss – Maybe Penn State, but Penn State has not gotten over that hump. But they've they won, won one. They, 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 won, won. they won one, right? They yeah. won one. So right, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. who, you know, who are you? Who are we actually like thinking? Well, Oregon's obviously good. One of the other schools Craig brought up, and it might have been just from us discussing them, was Missouri. Well. David, I'm a Missouri alum. Don't give me hope. (laughs) But you know what, Josh? Like, if you're looking at realistically, I mean, they're in the SEC. They've got what they've got going on right now. I mean, they're they're going to be built up. I mean, compared to Big 12 schools, ACC schools, and the two-pack schools that are remaining, they have, a, I think, a better shot than those schools probably do at this point. The one big advantage they have, and I, I don't think this gets mentioned enough. You know, I, I work in Arkansas, and these folks here believe they should be better, better than Missouri. Uh, Missouri's got two major American cities on either side of the state, mm. two hours away from Columbia. And the one problem, especially Barry Odom's era, when, I, you know, when he was there, and Gary Pickle did a pretty good job, but Eli Drinkwitz is keeping these kids home. He's doing it, obviously. The funding is there to help Luther Burden staying there and being yep. there. It's a mixture of getting those guys in, keeping top talent like that in. Uh, the Nwari kid, the kid they've got, um, you know, top five kid again this year. They were in on that one kid that went ends up going to Texas. Like that is the big difference. And yeah, the schedule has to work out. But they have another pretty favorable schedule next year. And guys, this is a team in Missouri. They had the ball down six at Georgia this year. Like the LSU loss happened as Jane Daniels was amazing. I think he's awesome. I hope he's the top 10 quarterback. They just got beat by a better player. It's totally fine. But like, yeah, man, that's probably the playoff team, the 12 team playoff. And after their body of work this year, like Missouri was, you know, I can't think of a time except for the, ten, uh, the Kentucky game, which they ended up winning by a lot where they were not a massive, uh, they were in the game or, you know, not, not down multiple scores. Like, yeah, that's a place that could do it. If they keep putting money into the program, I'm trying to think of other programs that are kind of like that, right? They're kind of in that zone, if you will, where it's like, if they have the right coach, right situation, and they can they do it all? You know, maybe Michigan. Uh, does Michigan State have one? I don't know. I don't think they do. I Michigan think they, State. They, do, yeah. they, they, they lost, do. They had a I tie think. in 1966 with Notre Dame, and Notre right. Dame was given the national title. And I don't know. But Michigan State's they listed in 65. Several. Michigan State 65, 66, and a couple yeah. of other years. Yeah. 
Yeah. So a school like that, maybe. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to think, especially the way the sport's changing. It's just going to benefit the Blue Bloods even more. They yeah, won think, it outright in 52. Yeah, they've, they've won titles. Yeah. Like, they're not on that list. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a nice thought. And I've got, to, I've got a list in front of me. I figure we'll save that for a segment, though, because all due respect to Josh. But, I mean, Missouri is on that list, obviously, as you know. I think Oregon's on that list. I will say, as far as a Big 12 team that's won the most games, I'll at least throw this out there for fodder, that's won the most games but has not won one, and it's right near the top of the entire list is West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They've won a bunch of games in the history of college football but have not been able to crack through. Uh, but Ole Miss, I think, is another one that you threw out. I think Ole Miss is definitely one of those those teams that could be ripe for, for being at the top of that list as well. Yeah, and how about Lane pretending last year like they didn't have any NIL money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's 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 always strange to me. Like they got spent once again, they got Spencer Sanders to sit in their bench for the year. Like what, what, are, we, what are we talking about with the money and whatnot? But I, I think their de- like their defense is going to decide it, right? I mean, we saw in that LSU game, like that is not a championship team. They cannot win a championship with that kind of a defense, uh, just you know, with the way it was. And and I mean, they just no showed that Bama game. Like that was not a great Bama performance, and Bama wasn't quite Bama yet, and they just no showed it. So, you know, I, like it's almost like I kind of wonder. Like one thing Sark has, you know, think about old Saban assistants. Sark's a really good big game coach. Lane is is not, you know, I don't think about a lot of big Lane Kiffin victories that he's racked up during his time at Idleness. So that's kind of the push coming to shove. I mean, but they, they have to get in those situations first. Uh, Josh Neighbors again with us, part of 365 Sports on this Friday afternoon. Josh, were you okay with the Heisman Trophy? Was it uh, if, if you would have had a vote? I'm not sure. Maybe you do, but did you uh, like not. the Jaden Daniels pick? Uh, as somebody who had a Jaden Daniels Heisman ticket, I did. I did enjoy that as a. Uh, oh. I mean, I mean, he. So I actually was pretty critical of him coming into the year. The one thing that really improved guys was the vertical passing. He is the most accurate vertical passer in college football this year, and also I don't like. He has he plays a ton of heart. I mean, you talk about like you know, the, the stuff people. I mean, it's flashy too, but that guy. It, somebody needs to teach him how to slide. I mean, he got railroaded a bunch this season. It would pop up in the Missouri game. He was playing with an injured rib, and I mean, he is just he was so much fun to watch. And that's kind of what I want out of my Heisman Trophy winner too. You know, like the electricity of, of of Lamar Jackson. You know, like just the unbelievable numbers and the way Burrow played and. Look, I know they were nine and three, but he got injured in the Bama game. He wasn't great in the the Florida State game, you know, sure whatever. But that's the first game of, of you know of the season, and I, I don't really feel like that was necessarily his fault. They lost that game, and so I don't think winning has to be part of this. Like the fact that JJ McCarthy got a a top ten Heisman vote is a disgrace. Like that, he threw one touchdown in the last five games of the season. I mean, this award is for individual excellence. You know, this is not because Michigan's twelve and zero. That my biggest problem with the Heisman is the people who vote. Now they usually end up getting it right. They did get it right this year, um, but like McCarthy on the in top ten is just is just complete joke. Well, that means that somebody voted because you only get three players, uh, and I'm fortunate to have a vote. And I've mentioned that before. You only David was it you? No, Do we have a problem. Okay, good. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but seriously, that means that somebody on that ballot. All of the other names, and there's really about four to six guys that really would have, you would think have a pretty legitimate chance to win that, even if that many, that they left off, you know, maybe all three of the top guys, whether it's Penix or possibly Daniels or Bo Nix or Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and I, I, yeah, and there were like 40 different players who got a vote. 
That seemed like yeah. a little extreme to me too. Yeah, it's like I think the, the realistic candidates were this. It was it was Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix you could put up there. Penix, Penix really dipped. He, he he was it looked like he was banged up for part of the season. But like they had some really close calls with some bad teams where they didn't play too well. Um, Martin Harrison, sure, but Malik Neighbors should be getting votes too. I mean, I, I know that his team was not as you know didn't win as many games, but uh, Malik Neighbors' numbers were better in a lot of categories than Marvin Harrison Jr.'s were. I know Marvin was most of their offense. That, that's kind of, you know, his way. Schrader, I'd be fine if you want a really good coding Schrader vote because, hey, leading rusher in the toughest conference in the country, you know, that, that should mean something. Ollie, obviously, um, you know, I don't think you can count the losses against him because, obviously, he didn't really get going and get the carries till later on. But all more deserve. I mean, here's the thing. In, in J.J. McCarthy's, one of his biggest games, the Penn State game, they scored, and the, and they just didn't throw the ball the rest of the game. Like, you know what? We're going to park the bus. Like, we're not going to try to get away from these guys. We're not going to put the ball in danger at all. We're going to park the bus and run the ball. And he's a good player. I see all these mock drafts, though, with him, like, top ten. I'm like, what am what is happening? Like, I I just cannot – you cannot justify him as a top ten. I think I think we should be reviewing people's eyes and ballots and making sure that they're paying attention to the sport because that's not paying attention if he's top three. Josh, good stuff, man. Thank you very much. We could go on forever, which we love to well, do. Uh, one quick thing. I want to ask football. I right. want to ask one thing. Paul, are you happy about your boy Rick Scott taking a stand Seminoles? <laughs> that was Paul you, loves politicians. I, like, here's the deal. I have no love lost for the U.S. Senate in its current uh, status. But, like, how does Bill Hancock come out looking slimier than a senator in a letter? Like, that's that's where the, like, the college football playoff committee has to look and be like, ah, man. Just ignore him. Yeah. Why, I, I would just, why would you just ignore him? Yeah, why would you? Again, yeah, there's also a dumb thing. Why do you write back to him so that he can now tweet it out and put you on blast? Like, Yeah, what was I the know. comment he said? I know you have a lot in your plate, so thank you for having time to write the college football playoff <laughs> yeah. committee. No. Yeah, I, it's like, is, doesn't the government need to be funded again? Like, <laughs> what a waste of time. I mean, yeah. waste oh, time. dear God. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Josh. Good stuff. Bye, guys. See Josh Neighbors with us on Fridays in the 4 o'clock hour on 365. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people dissected Hancock's response, but, I mean, basically just threw two middle yeah. fingers right back at the government yeah. and said, like, try us, basically, is what he said, and, you know, and then dunked on him. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not a big Bill Hancock fan uh, because of just the way he answered us about th- what's going on right now a couple of years back, just how flippant he was about, you know, a lot of schools. Yep. Yep. It just came across poorly. Um, so, you know, outside of that, I don't really have an opinion. Although, you know, as the playoff goes along in a year like this year, you're like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me when there's people like yeah. that that are behind the scenes. But um, I think he kind of got the last laugh in that whole oh, back yeah. and forth. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, people criticizing the CFP, but they just, you know, dunked on uh, that little governmental, uh, I guess, try to p- attempt an intervention there. And, uh, yeah, not a good look for, if, for uh, the other side. If there was a machine... And maybe ideal MRI can invent this. It'll make them huge. Where you could just like put a politician in and you find out if they're a clown or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just, instead of like on the screen, it's bones and muscles. It's just a picture of like a clown soul. Like, red nose. Pops up, like pops up like, oh no. Like you could run through most of Congress and they would fail hard. And yeah. that's what, like, you're not doing anything about it. Like the one thing that like these lawsuits, there's a guy in Georgia who's trying to sue to make the orange bowl part of the CF, like all these different stupid things. The one thing you'll hit the wall against and look, yes, there needs to be more transparency on the college football playoff committee. That's true. But Georgia and Florida state 
agreed to this system. They knew it was yep. a possibility. Now, their fight can be, hey, this was egregious that this happened. Let's make sure that we do better in the future is fine. But like trying to sue and all this other stuff is just nonsense, especially like Josh brought up, is that there's a good chance the government's not open on January 10th this year. Like, fix that first. Like, <laughs> just yeah, go ahead and deal with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's playing to your constituents, and it's, yeah. it's fighting the fight that you think that they want you to be fighting mm-hmm. in so many ways. So that's that's politics. And, uh, yeah, but I feel like Bill Hancock actually won that round, uh, which oh, yeah. is not something I love to say necessarily because it would have been great if there was a you know terrific point made and there actually could be something done about it. But, I mean, that's the thing about doing what they did in the last year of the 14 playoff is they never have to address it again. That's the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. why they were able to do it more than any other reason outside of just their own parameters, and that's what they said. They stuck to their own rules, but there's never a 14 playoff ever again. So they got to do it that last year, and you know, next year nobody's going to be able to complain about that same thing again because it's not going to be a problem. And, mm-hmm. and no, 13 not getting the 12 spots, not going to be the same as the t- undefeated Power 5 team, yep. not getting one of four spots versus a team that had lost the game. So they they knew what they were doing, and they knew that um, this if there was ever a pocket to be able to do that and kind of – they were going to get away with it no matter what, but really get away with it and move on from it. It was this year, this last Here, year to do it. Here's the quote from Bill Hancock to Rick Scott, the senator, fighting for, of course, FSU. Knowing how busy you are, thank you very much for taking the time to write about college football. Yeah. Bill Hancock. Yeah. I, I, I take up, obviously his, his response was the same. I do take umbrage with the, the strength of schedule thing. And I know that Florida State was in 55th in theirs. But, like, you know, they have better, like, outside of Michigan beating Penn State and Ohio State, Florida State has comparable conference wins to what Michigan had. Um, you know, Texas beat Oklahoma and they beat gonna, Oklahoma State. But like if you want to like put everybody up next to each other in their schedules, like outside of Alabama's ridiculous like they had all these really good wins uh, this year on their schedule. Like outside of that, like we can we can split hairs on the conference. I'm gonna bring up just peel that scar back once a day for you. Just yeah, just peel ahead. it back. By the way, we're going to come back and give an update on some of the high school football that's going on up in Arlington at AT&T Stadium, the Cowboys home stadium, and uh, some connections to SMU, to Baylor's running backs coach, to uh, uh, Richard Reese, and uh, even Sawyer Robertson as just to tease you a little bit and update the game between Gilmer and Belleville going on right now. Yeah, and uh, we can come back. At some point, I can get to perhaps a list of – uh, it's not important, but the, the teams that have not won titles who are the winningest programs that maybe would have a shot outside of an Oregon. Uh, we don't have to, to rush to that, though. No, let's do um, that. we no, got time until No, five. but I'm saying i got other stuff. There's some other decisions that have come down in the portal since these last few minutes, and there's also an update from the NCAA. They've now agreed to uh, some new, I guess, uh, terms uh, as far as this transfer decision-making process goes, the uh, temporary restraining order and, and what that was going to look like as far as, you know, players being able to jump into the portal uh, these next couple of weeks. And remember, they kind of reversed course, and they're like, originally, if you jumped in these next couple of weeks, then you wouldn't be punished for it. But then said afterwards that uh, that you would be, and now so there's some finalization, it looks like, on what's actually going to take place uh, for the transfers. You mean politicians changing their mind because of maybe possible blowback? 
Yeah, or just, having conversations yeah. that lead you to get into the right choice. Let's do that. Yeah. We'll come back with a lot of all of that. Chat room, thank you. The text line, 254-339-1122. Uh, we'll have uh, John Hoover on Oklahoma. He'll join us today a little bit after 5, and Paul will close out the week with his top five, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great customer service and great offers here during the Christmas season. Uh, they are busy at work, not only with a lot of great uh, brand-new vehicles on the lot, but a ton of pre-owned cars and trucks as well as their award-winning customer service department. But right now, it is Christmas time, and it's a very special time at Richard Carr Motors as they are a family dealership, and time with family and friends is precious. They know getting to your family safely this holiday season is a priority, so whether you need a new SUV to travel with, your family, or service on your existing car or truck to make sure that it's in tip-top shape, Richard Carr is here to give you the best deals and the best service during the holidays and all year long. And right now, that... Uh that uh, has to do with a lot of different models, but in particular, the GMC Sierra, a truck that has it all. They've got dozens in stock, ready to go now. Power, strength, and a stunning interior. You get all that in a GMC Sierra, plus save thousands in holiday savings on many cars and trucks happening. Now qualified buyers save 8000 in particular on GMC Sierra twin turbo elevation models, plus military and first responders can save an additional $500, and you can contact them for more information but they also trade for the best. So if you're not looking to get into a brand-new GMC Sierra, although that's a great deal that they have right now, uh, you can take a look at their lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock, over 90 used cars and trucks to choose from, all inspected with a 172-point inspection and that Richard Carr seal of approval. The financing goal at Richard Carr, 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So check out the dealership that's been in business for 24 years in the area and has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Run by proud Central Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. 
If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally hear. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend's Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. All right, here we go, 365 Sports. High school football. Right now, Gilmer leads Belleville 28-20. to Belleville's the alma mater of Richard Reese, who's at Baylor. 28-20 Gilmer. They have had combined touchdowns of 66, 72, 58, 69, 65 yards. And then a couple of shorter touchdowns of 8-2. and two. They have 614 yards combined offense. Nuts, crazy, back and forth. It's halftime. Earlier today, Anna beat Chapel Hill 26 to nothing. It was a blowout. It wasn't like 50 to nothing, but it was never a game. Ricky Stewart and Demetrius Brisbane are both SMU commits who played for Chapel Hill, and they weren't able to do anything. Seth Parr, the head coach at Anna, who won their first state title, was the coach that Sawyer Robertson played for back when he was in high school. And then last night, Gunner beat Tidehaven 30-14, and Tidehaven running back Joseph Dodds had a hell of a game, 168 yards and a long touchdown, caught a touchdown. He is a class of 2024 commit to Baylor. Big, long, lanky, strong-looking player. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good-looking kid, and I don't know how he fits into what Jake Spavital wants to do. Um, but I, I just wish I could have seen more. I mean, we we got to fix that next year somehow or another is get to where we can watch state games in here. Well, it would probably will be different because they will probably be on a different yeah, station. Yeah, because we don't know what Bally's going to do, right? Bally's going to go in the tank. Yeah, yeah Bally's is going to go. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we like typically we'd be able to watch him in here, and that'd be great because it's all day long. But, uh, I mean, there's going to be – if you want to watch some talent, the game's coming up really – from here on out, um, the five A's and the six A's. I guess um, tonight will be five A one one of the five A's, and then tomorrow will be what one of the other five A, and then the two six A's, and that's where you're going to get a lot of D one blue chip type athletes. So yeah, if you want to watch some really fun high school football and some big time prospects, and they're going to be littered all over these Texas state championship games from uh, here until the end of 
uh, tomorrow night, basically. So, yeah, looking forward to, to getting home and being able to watch some of those. Uh, but, yeah, that was great to see Joseph Dodds and, um, and what he was able to do, although they lost. And yep. then Chapel Hill, I just watched them last week uh, less than a mile away at McLean Stadium, and they had no issues moving on to the state championship game, but obviously had plenty of issues today. And you kind of wondered watching them, it's like they just out-athleted mm-hmm. a lot of teams, I think, and – finally ran into a team that was uh, not only a team, but probably had some athletes themselves and Absolutely uh, no did. answer. So those are two guys that SMU's still not going to be able to get for another year. They're just juniors. So there's still a little bit of a wait and a long way to go in their recruiting process. But those two that you mentioned, uh, Brisbane and um, and uh, Stewart, Stewart are, are both really talented players. So uh, you'll be hearing more about them for sure. All right. So let's get to a couple of the notes that I – we have some super chats, three of them. Retired stockbroker, he was late today, said, here's my tardy slip uh, from Uber. He was driven to the chat room. Retired stockbroker, always with a sense of humor. Thank you. Kim Coulter, which school in the new Big 12 has the most bowls? Well, I mean, he wouldn't ask if he didn't know no, the answer. No, you know exactly <laughs> I mean, who the so, answer yeah. is. So. Texas Tech, he said, wreck them. And then Texas, okay. uh, UT Parking. Cheers to Paul for being funny. Happy holidays. Thank you, UT Parking. Thank you for talking about your political. <laughs> yeah, <stuff. I> <laughs> I've ton- I have tons of political ma- material. I never do it because you never know what audience you're walking into. Uh, yep. So, yeah. Um, oh, there's a few that no. You have no idea. You have no idea what you're walking into. And my my thing is everyone's stupid, but still that get mad. Uh, no, so my, we, well, my side's not dumb. Your side's dumb. Yep, and then well, that's the way politicians are. <laughs> yeah. Smithson Valley, Alito. Alito's won more state titles than any school in the history of Texas in trying to win another one. They play Smithson Valley, who's uh, one of the schools I played a long time ago, my senior year at Universal City Randolph. Craig, yeah. uh, you got – Yeah, uh, no, we're going to talk about the NCAA. Uh, yeah, let's do that, and then Craig's going to go up with a couple of the uh, other schools that have a lot of wins but not a national championship who could be on – the clock is possibly who has not won, who have not won, but maybe they're the one that might next. Yeah, I mean, we and we can get to that at some point. It doesn't even have to be today. But, um, yeah, the, the news that we need to get to, and there's various things that have been coming down here over the last uh, hour or two. And uh, we talked about the Pac-2 already, the big win in court for Oregon State and Washington State. They're now in control of all of the assets when it comes to the Pac-12 but I will make mention that there was an article in the San Francisco Gate uh, earlier this week, and it was actually just yesterday, and it was about the Pac-12 network because in this whole conversation of, you know, well, what if Oregon State and Washington State win and they get all this money, and then what can they do with that? And they have all these assets, which is like the basketball money and, and things like that, and they've got this network. And when it came to the argument for the Big 12 of like, well, you just take the network and it's the Big 12 – that's not going to work. The, the, yeah. like, there's not the, the Big Twelve network is not going to work at this point. And and besides that, the, that just uh, you know, I guess you, if anything, the value you would get out of that is what you're going to make money wise off yeah. of these cameras and this this building that you've you've got and and that because uh, the Pac-12 network has uh, announced or is has let it be known that that according to doc or actually according to documents that San Francisco Gate. Uh, 
got uh, that had been filed with labor officials. The conference is planning to lay off 141 employees from its San Ramon office on periodic uh, on a periodic basis starting on January the 5th. Uh, so this was the office they had just moved to from San Francisco a year ago, and they will be periodically laying off 141 employees starting January 5th through June 28th, uh, which is right before the new semester starts and also right when the media rights deal uh, for the conference uh, ends. And that's going to include directors, on-air hosts, senior producers, multiple different roles, broadcast engineers. Uh, Certainly feel for all those people involved, and hopefully they've already all got some jobs lined up now that they've got a whole lot of you know, early notice of like, hey, this is coming down the pipeline. You got like a whole year to get ready for this, but uh, they will be packing it up at the end of June, and there will be people uh, being fired from the start of the year through uh, through that time period. So I just wanted to mention that because that network part I see get brought up a lot in the, well, what do they have? And, and it looks like they're – that was probably part of the agreement with all the schools, I would imagine. Well, and, and also I think selling off some of those assets and selling, you know, what you have is going to help you pay money to Comcast. So. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's you know, or not paying employees is going to help you have a lot more money because that's uh, that's where most people's expenditures go. So, um, but yeah, they're they've got like it was it was doomed from the from the day that uh, everyone left. There was never going to be that network again. It wasn't going to be yeah. anything else. They weren't going to flip it into anything else. They were going to sell off the assets, strip it for parts, and 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 move on because and- there was. It was hardly even there in the first place. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't have it. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I don't know about you guys, but I never had it. And I'm, I'm granted, I'm in Texas, so I, I know, have not... it. I have it. Okay, well, you have yeah, it. But... I, uh, I have it I have on DirecTV, on, so. on, on Spectrum. And I think I watched it because of the Klyovkov press conference at Pac-12 Media Days, and I was on it for five minutes, turned it off, and never watched it again. Yeah, I, I think I may have come across it elsewhere like staying elsewhere maybe a couple times but i i can't say i could tell you much about I, it um, i i let's see the last time i was on the west Coast, when i was in in oxnard i saw it on the they had it on the cable there um but and that was four years ago the last time we were uh, i was there but um i i have direct tv and i've had direct tv for a long time so i am part of the problem why it never you know as a direct tv customer why it never got off the ground so yeah, well, they are so they are starting uh, terminations there. Feel for everybody involved, like we said. Uh, and that'll go on through the next several months. But the other idea about it was, you know, turning it into uh, some other kind of network. The whole the whole problem with that idea was you can't force people to carry it. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't make the networks go like, yeah, well, we have to have this Pac two network or Pac twelve network, and that was a, a part of the question. So we'll see now what becomes of it with the Oregon State, Washington State, and and what they now have at their disposal. But uh, that was part of the news this week that uh, we had not gotten around to was the Pac twelve network starting to to slow down the operations there. All Meanwhile, right, let, me, let me add something to what you're okay. talking about, John Wilner. Keep in mind the lower court ruling requires Washington State, Oregon State to act in a reasonable manner when board matters as far as money. Uh, If they don't, this is headed back to court. Nobody wants that. Bob Thompson, so all the cash in the conference remains frozen unless there's the unanimous approval of an expenditure or disbursement. It will be interesting to see if other state attorney generals file some action in their own local jurisdictions. Yeah, but then, I mean, it's Twitter, and you don't know exactly what's what, because then the guy right underneath that, um, he must be an Oregon State fan, Bodie McBeaver, um, <laughs> says, no, that's uh, that uncertain, or that unanimity requirement goes away when the state is... So this is, again, like, this is 
I was, I'm not a lawyer. I, I don't know how it works. Today is a win for Oregon State and Washington State. They're in control. Yep. Now, like as far as that other part of it that you just mentioned, I, clearly yeah, there needs to be more clarity there. Yeah. yeah, But it does appear that all of it belongs to Washington State, Oregon State. So we'll see where they, they take that. But uh, I did want to make mention at least of the Pac-12 networks because that gets brought up amongst the assets and what they have and what that could be. Um, but it's going to start getting shut down here and, and firings taking place. Meanwhile, we had the big controversy earlier this week with the transfer rules, right? Yeah. And there was um, a lot of controversy because it appeared that, uh, like, uh, Naquan Tomlin was going to be able to, to play, and there was a little two-week window where transfers who had been denied were now going to have this opportunity to play, but it was going to be in this window. And initially, the NCAA had said that um, if you play, that it's not a problem. It's not going to – if we reverse this in a couple of weeks, it won't take away your eligibility. And then the very next day, there was reports that, oh, no, wait – even if you uh, have this clearing of two weeks, if you play, but this gets reversed, that could cost you a year of eligibility. So then that had people scrambling like, wait, what? And some people by that first night had already played. They were already like getting into, into the swing of things. So um, there was a lot of confusion about that and, and what actually that was going to mean. Well, the NCAA here in the last 30 minutes, according to uh, Dave Yost, an attorney general in Ohio, Ohio uh, he made mention that um, the NCAA has agreed to terms that have been jointly submitted to the federal court for approval, no retaliation against players who played during the temporary restraining order, and the temporary restraining order is converted to a preliminary injunction, I really should have gone to law school, that will last until the end of spring sports. So that would seem to mean that this is now just wide open until the end of this year, no? Yes, it does. Spring semester sports um, is all the way through, all the way into June. Yeah. Yost also mentions in his uh, in a follow-up tweet or this was a follow-up tweet that uh the court specifically addressed not using intimidation in their ruling on page 29 uh is what he said, which they did we talked about it the other day is that they cannot use the threat of potential suspension or loss of eligibility to keep players from playing. And what did they do 24 hours later? Yeah. Specifically that. Yeah. So, I, look, I, and Charlie Baker, like, I understand that, like, his job right now, like, hurting cats is not even, like, the the way to describe it. It right. is an absolute, like, it's just a, a, a fire all the time. But these are the things you have to get under control. When a court of law tells you specifically, don't do this thing, and then 24 hours later, you can't help yourself from saying, we're going to do that thing, this is a problem. Whether you think you're right or not, it's on paper now, and a judge has slammed uh. a gavel and said, this is what you're doing. Like This is why you guys keep losing. Because you somehow think that it does not apply to you, and it totally does. Yeah, like man. that. That's... So, so there'll be a change by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean there, there possibly could be, but no. So transfers who play during this temporary restraining order will not lose eligibility. The NCAA cannot intimidate them. And not only has it gone from a couple of weeks, it's now gone through the end of the semester. Yeah. Is basically what you need to know about that. So whether it's Tomlin or the various other athletes that have been mentioned that had been denied um that's all it appears uh free and clear to to now proceed forward so uh, that's great news for the college athletes which i mean what what hasn't been really everything they has 
that has been some sort of a battle or a debate has been won by them in the long run, even though it's it's taken in some cases a couple go rounds. So that's great news for the athletes. And I thought that that was some BS to to try that you know twenty four hours later flip and go oh no well if you if you played last night well then boom you're you're already you you might be you might be ineligible well that's that's crazy so now free and clear and and that's an update on the temporary restraining order for transfers man now do we have any other decisions that we can get to the next hour transfer um, portal decisions I mean, we can hold some stuff over yeah i yeah, mean we, well yeah we have a, a get to a guest at five yeah i mean there's a there's a couple of transfer announcements but i mean that's not stuff that we need to get to right this very second so God, it's just yeah. It it uh, like Josh Kelly just committed to Texas Tech, the uh, Washington State wide receiver. I think I, I thought that had already happened because it was so clear that that was going to happen, but apparently that's now official. So that's one uh, uh, decision that's come down. Washington State receiver Josh Kelly now going to Texas Tech. He was a near one thousand yard wide receiver, nearly double digit touchdowns. So uh, you could tell what Joey McGuire and company's focus has been here early on. It's getting wide receivers for Baron Morton, and also uh, looking at the uh, the lines as well. But um, yeah, that's that's a good get, and we can you know save some stuff for this last hour. We will have uh, John Hoover covers Oklahoma on there uh, in and out of, of what's happening, including the Caden Green story. Uh, by the way, one quick note about Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram. They've added the 2024 Ram heavy-duty three-quarter ton and one-ton trucks to the long list of Ram trucks that qualify for 10% off MSRP and also the Ram DS model trucks with 15% below MSRP. Uh, we have Jack McKenzie today running the mothership with Craig and David. I'm David Smoke with Paul Catalina, too, and this is 365 Sports. Ring in the new year with unbeatable savings during the wrap-up the year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. This month, get a new 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie Crew Cab 4x4, $15,000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Or how about a 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab 4x4, $12,000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. And then on top of that, the new 2023 Jeep models this month get 10% off MSRP on the Jeep Grand Cherokee or the Grand Cherokee L. Or how about 10% off Jeep compasses and renegades? And if that's not enough, get 11,000 off MSRP on every Jeep Gladiator Overland. That's right, an extra $500 as well on first responders who are buying a vehicle. No payments for 90 days. Ted Teague, the general manager and also CEO. My great friend AJ, who is as good a sales manager, client manager for you, you could imagine. I bought my car. He helped me through the process back in 2020. Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student athletes. The program helps student athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisor. Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website Website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. He writes for all Sooners. 
been covering Oklahoma sports for a long, long time. John Hoover joins us on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul. I'm David Smoke. John, let's start with the Caden Green deal. Uh, what is the, the bottom line? Is it just better money elsewhere? Is it something different than that? Uh, it, boy, that's a sticky one, Smokey. Um, bottom line is there was a, apparently a mass uh, miscommunication, um, like I'll put it this way, sounds like his dad and or uncle and or slash family um, told him he was worth more than what he was getting at uh, NIL-wise at Oklahoma. So um, we still don't know if there was the classic quote-unquote tampering where schools or the, or the parents or somebody were negotiating with schools while he was still on scholarship on the OU roster. We don't know uh, because everybody's been pretty much radio silent for the last three days, including Brent Venables today, a post-practice interview where he came out and said, hey, guys, how's it going? Good to see you. Glad, uh, glad you're coming to practice. Uh, appreciate you being here. I'm not talking about anybody that's not here. Oh. So save, save your questions. So uh, mass communication, uh, miss communication i should say where they agreed in principle to a dollar figure the school's uh, nil collective said yeah we can do that and then a few hours later he was spotted by a support staffer pushing his luggage cart down the sidewalk (laughs) having moved out of the dorm during practice while the team was practicing he was pushing his stuff to the car and was like what are you doing and he goes you got to talk to my dad it's just been a downhill spiral ever since. So um, how do they – I mean, I know that their offensive line commitments for 2024 and the freshman, which he was, has been gone well the last week. Uh, but how do they replace him uh, in the in the immediate sense? Uh, good question. He was going to start the um, – he was going to start the Alamo Bowl. And now they are, in terms of uh, starters – for 2024, they have they will have zero of the five back. So for the Alamo Bowl, they have two of the five back. Two guys went to the NFL draft. They're already training for the NFL. Uh, and then the other one's in the portal. So that's your five starters. Uh, you get back your left tackle, who was a transfer, one a one-year transfer from uh, Stanford. And then you get your right guard back, who was a three-year, three years ago, has a three-year starter, was a transfer from Cal. So Stanford and Cal are your starting offensive line guys for the Alamo Bowl against uh, another Pac-12 team, the uh, the Arizona Wildcats. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tangled mess. And Brent was asked that question today, and he said, yeah, we're going to roll a, a redshirt freshman out. We're going to roll a true freshman out. And we got some other freshmen that had a good good year that haven't played much. Uh, we got a couple of guys that are that are seniors, but yeah, for the most part, it's going to be uh, what can who who's ready to do this. So mix and match. Yeah, it'll be kind of a, a Big Twelve passing of the torch. Oklahoma giving uh, Arizona their their Big Twelve torch as they as they head separate directions <laughs> there. But uh, yeah. John, a lot going on. I mean, Dylan Gabriel making his decision. I guess kind of a, a he'll he'll play into the you know who's not involved now moving forward. But a, a two part question here of. Thoughts on Dylan Gabriel? I know there's a lot of clamoring for Jackson Arnold uh, here uh, over the last several months and just about him being the future, so it wasn't a total shock that he ends up elsewhere, I suppose. But uh, what's also the the feeling around playing in this particular bowl game and playing a team like Arizona? Yeah, the the Jackson Arnold angle is is really easy uh, to to 
encapsulate, and that is that uh, back in on signing day, on National Signing Day, and this was in February, I believe. Might have been last December now that I think about it. But uh, either way, it was Jeff Levy saying, who's, no, of course, no longer here. Uh, it was Jeff Levy saying uh, Jackson Arnold is the future of the program. He, he will be the face of the program moving forward. Meanwhile, you've got your returning starting quarterback coming back for the 2023 season, right? Yeah. In uh, Dylan Gabriel. So that might have made for a little bit of an awkward situation. Probably not is my guess. But you never know with quarterbacks and when you get egos involved. But, yeah, no, no question. Um, Dylan Gabriel came in, and he had three years of eligibility left, and he played two. And I was asking the question, again, last uh, you know, signing day. And uh, we had a media – kind of a media day in February to welcome all the new transfers and freshmen and all that. And I asked the question then, and I asked the question again at Big 12 Media Days, and I'm pretty sure I asked it in August. Is Dylan going to come back? for his third year of eligibility and no one ever committed. Huh. You know, we talked to Dylan, we talked to his offensive coordinator, we talked to his quarterback's coach, we talked to his head coach. No one ever said, yeah, Dylan is uh, Dylan's definitely coming back, definitely not coming back. No one committed to anything. Well, he wanted a good draft grade and he didn't get it. So he looked around and he saw Jackson Arnold sitting over there ready for his time in the spotlight. And I think he, he graciously bowed out. If, if that makes sense. But to talk to Brent Venables last week or whenever it was, week before last maybe, uh, for the Alamo Bowl press conference, he said Dylan was welcome to stay. Dylan knows he was welcome to stay and compete. What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. Says Two-year a lot. starter. He's, he's come back, but he's, he's not going to be anointed the starter because this is Jackson Arnold's team. So interesting stuff. Now about the Alamo Bowl itself, I think the team is uh, is pretty focused in terms of just, you know, they had their fifth practice today, for instance. Um, they've got a job to do. Everybody's fired up about playing one more game this season, trying to get to 11 wins. That means something in a place like Oklahoma. So uh, the team is pretty focused as much as you can be when guys are jumping into the portal, guys are getting out of the portal and come to Norman. Um, they, they landed a verbal commitment today on the offensive line. So, hey, maybe they get him eligible real quick. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but essentially, it's, it's, that's the state of college football now. Is December is just – I mean, they've got two new coaches – or, well, one new coach and another new coach with a, with a title, old coach with a new title. Uh, they've got some new quarterback coaches that they hired. It's basically a, a – I don't know. It's like a festival. It's like a carnival. It's like, well, what do they got going on over here? What do they got going on over there? You know, and everything seems new because uh, that's the state of college football now. You know, John, I read some quotes. Chris Kleiman spoke with the media at K-State. They've had a lot of people hit the portal. Uh, they've had moving parts, including their quarterback. And, yeah, he actually, I believe, one of the quotes from Kelly Robinet was – he hasn't even had much chance to think about watching NC State on film because he's so busy worrying about keeping his own players or replacing the yeah. ones that are leaving. And I, you, yeah. you wonder how sloppy some of these bowl games might be. Uh, it's it's the curse of the bowl games. I was on an interview a couple of days ago, and the fact of the matter is these bowl games used to mean absolutely nothing. Back when they started in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, they were exhibitions and nobody really covered them and the stats didn't count and the NCAA didn't count them against your win-loss total. They did, You know, you put out your AP poll at the end of December and then went and played your bowl game in January, right? And they didn't matter. And then for about 30 years or 40 years, bowl games were, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. This is one. Look at all these matchups and we're deciding national champions. 
And now the the bowl games are back to the the other end of the spectrum again, where they don't matter. It's just it's really bizarre. John, um, with with Dylan Gabriel gone, with I'm sorry, not Dylan Gabriel, with Jeff Levy gone, Seth Luttrell steps in as the offensive coordinator. That was something that was like you know that was obviously they had him waiting in the wings as an analyst on the staff. How do you think the system changes under Seth Luttrell, especially coming up for the bowl game here? Yeah, we won't know anything about how it changes for the bowl game because I think they're going to lean heavily on what Levy established. Um, he was an offensive analyst, like you said. He's been a head coach. Uh, he's been an offensive coordinator and a very successful offensive coordinator in his own right. And he's been around football his whole life. His dad was an All-American fullback at, at Oklahoma. And Seth was a team captain on Bob Stoops' 2000 team. So he is a – when you look up football guy – in the, in the dictionary, you see, depending on which dictionary it is, you might see Seth Luttrell's picture. He's a football guy. So he's, he's smart enough to know I'm not going to come in here and I'm going to change everything and remake this in my image. He doesn't have any offensive linemen. He's got a new quarterback. So I would suspect that there's going to be a lot of um, carryover from Jeff Levy's offense to Seth Luttrell's. What's going to be interesting, and we're not going to see it in the spring, of course, but what's going to be interesting is to see next year what Seth Luttrell's offense really looks like. That's when we'll get a full, full kind of a full frontal on uh, on what his what the what the Seth Luttrell offensive experience is going to be. John, how much of a surprise and I suppose a morale boost as well was the Danny Stutzman final decision? Yeah, it's been something. I tell you, you know, everybody's down about Caden um, Green going to the transfer portal, shockingly, and the yeah. way he left, but. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, I think it was last uh, Friday. Days are starting to run together. I think it was last Thursday or Friday. Billy Bowman announces that he's coming back. Here's a guy who had six interceptions and, and three pick sixes for the, as a junior this year. He's coming back. And then uh, here you got Monday, I think, it was coming out. Danny Sussman decides, you know what? I know news came out last week that I was uh, headed to the NFL, and he was. He told Brent Venables, Coach, I think I want to go to the NFL, and they tried to talk him out of it, and they eventually did, and they talked to his dad. You look around at the landscape, and it's like all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute. Brent Venables' philosophy and the culture that he's trying to establish and build and the foundation he's trying to lay and the kind of guys he's getting and recruiting, they want to play for him. They don't want to just rush off to the NFL. Billy Bowman said, guys, I'm not the finished product. I'm nowhere near close to being finished, so I need another year of playing for Brent Venables to be the finished product to be ready to go to the NFL. How mature is that for those two yeah. guys? You're two superstars on defense to say, no. Nope. Uh, and his dad told me, uh, Sutsman's dad told me, he got a very favorable NFL draft grade from the college advisory committee, meaning he said he told me these words. If anybody else would have gotten that draft grade, they'd go to the pros. They'd be gone right now. But Danny's coming back. So he didn't really tell me what the draft grade was, but to take his word for it, that's a pretty impressive thing. And then today you see, or well, I guess yesterday and today, you see two defensive tackles, Jacob Lacey, the transfer from Notre Dame, and Dejon Terry, the transfer from Tennessee. Both those guys had the opportunity to go to the NFL. Both those guys decided I want to come back and play my senior year of eligibility for Oklahoma. So something's going on there where guys are wanting to come back. That's pretty good news. Last thing, John. The uh, SEC, for me, SEC schedule was released, and Oklahoma now yeah. knows who they have. And overall, your thoughts about what they've been given? Eleven and one, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I think eleven and one is going to be a hard one. Yeah, um, tough. I, I, I made my 
I made my prediction uh, at eight and four. How's that sound? Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a challenge for Oklahoma for sure to step up because you look at the schedule, um, and it it goes. You know, it's it's um, it's daunting, of course, because it's it's uh, the SEC, and you you guys have seen the quality of the Big Twelve. You know when when a team you know kind of grows up and gets into the Big Twelve. You've seen TCU do it. Gary Patterson struggled for a couple of years, right? Uh, before he got it rolling, um, and, and you know, anytime you know West Virginia stepped up and they struggled for a little bit as well. Oklahoma guys, they're stepping up. They're going into a conference that week to week to week. I mean, they play Missouri, Alabama, and LSU in the last four weeks of the season. Uh, good luck with that, because that you don't get you don't get any. They talk about no off days, no easy days. That's the SEC. That's, I should say that's the top of the SEC. I'm not going to jump in and say, the SEC is tough every week. Mm-hmm. Everything's tough every week. Nothing's easy. But the SEC does have its off weeks. Uh, the SEC does have its softer schedule. And But to finish three weeks or three of the last four weeks, to finish with that, finish at Missouri, um, at Alabama at home, and then at LSU, Oklahoma's going to find out real quick how uh, how ready they, how SEC ready they are. And I think Texas will too. I think Texas has had a successful season and they've played great football this year. There's no doubt. But when you get into the SEC and you start playing those teams like that every week or every other week, you don't just play one Texas anymore, right? You play four or five Texases every, uh, every season. So that's going to be a real challenge for Oklahoma and Texas. John, great stuff. I know it's been a crazy busy week, and it won't get any better. It will continue to be that way as long as the NIL transfer portal. National Signing Day, and then, yeah. and then again, bowl games. Thank you for your time, the insight on the Caden Green story, and much more. We appreciate it. All right. Good for Thank business. You. I know that. Yeah. John Hoover, uh, again, uh, covers Oklahoma. John Hoover's been covering Oklahoma football in a lot of places for a long, long time, and now a part of Sports Illustrated Sooners Nation with us on 365 Sports. Yeah, uh, obviously a busy week for them uh, just in terms of recruiting and, and also decisions being made. The Caden Green thing, like, I know it's a big to-do for them, but I just, I mean, I, I'm i just not surprised by it. Like, I mean, I'm surprised that a guy at a program like that decides to just up and leave, but, like, when you think about, like, trying to rationalize as to why, it's like, money? I mean, yeah. it's not really that complicated. It's it's NIL. It's free to go free to to stay free to you know but but what's not free is a player's you know uh, value and and what they expect to get now to play big time college football and so uh, I'm sure Oklahoma made a healthy offer and somebody else apparently or others have just said that they're going to make healthier offers and I guess at some point Oklahoma had to either say we'll keep going up or you know eventually we have to stop because we have other considerations to make or maybe they didn't get that opportunity I don't know. Uh, maybe he just wants to be closer to home and make the same. Who knows? But in the end, yeah, it's it's all revolving around uh, money as much as anything else. So we'll see soon enough where he ends up. And luckily they haven't had all bad news on the lines. But, yeah, super blessed with Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman and those guys running it back. I'm curious on Texas' side as well, like how many guys come back just because they want to play in that SEC that first year uh, and get that experience, you know, rather than uh, going uh, to the draft potentially this season. I'm sure that's a – you know, along with NIL and just playing college football 
the way that it's shaped up now is is enticing enough. But then you throw that into the mix as well. Like, hey, if you come back next year, you're going to play Tennessee and LSU and Alabama and so on and so forth and go to some of those places. I think that's as much of a recruiting pull now for Oklahoma as, as anything else is. So I, I, yeah. want, I wonder in the schedule against the SEC. Now, we do know that sometimes they're top-heavy. The Big 12 seems to be pretty competitive, but they, they, they've had their softies. Of course, now Kansas is no longer one. Are the mid-level teams in the SEC more likely to get better and have like seven, eight teams to deal with than the mid-level teams in the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma? You would think that Auburn jumps up. We've seen what Ole Miss has done. Uh, I, I can't imagine LSU is going to just put up with nine and three. I mean, they're going to want, even though that might be a pretty good record next year. That is what I want to know of what happens with their mid-level teams. Is it one or two that do that? Or do they at times just trade or swap spots with other well, teams that are above them? Well, it's not going to be. It won't be Alabama, Georgia. No, all that but kind of. it's, it's it's not going to be because of lack of resources. So their their excuses will be kind of out when it comes to that. Like you can't say like, oh, we don't have any money at at Auburn. Yeah, you do. Shut up. You know, right, like that's yeah. not going to be like. Uh, Lane Kiffin's clearly false claims that they weren't going to be able to NIL with schools like A&M. Only to gain more NIL. Yeah, exactly. So th- those those things are, are not going to really fly anymore. And look, it worked for a year. You know, then he, they're going to have to have another tact. But um, especially when your guys step up and pay for, for guys. I mean, they just uh, signed a big one uh, in a second. I, I know Craig's got a couple to, to get to. But, um, but yeah, that, like, it's only going to be because of good leadership. Like, if you don't win in the Big Ten or the SEC, it's not going to be because you don't have money and resources and all that. It's going to be because you don't know how. Like, that's it. That's the that's the reason. Like, and yeah, you know, to, to kind of tie it into our earlier discussion, are Rutgers and Indiana and people like that all of a sudden going to start winning national football titles? No, but it's not going to be because that they're now not the Joneses because they'll they'll have the same amount of money coming in, you know, as, as everyone else. Timothy Keel, uh, no, they all get better. No, we thought South Carolina was on the uptick. What happened to them this year? Yeah. What's happened to Arkansas? Now, they might have more of a core that can, but not all of them will because somebody's got to get a, a loss when they play a conference game against somebody who's going to get a win. Yeah, that's the only problem I have is, um, I mean, if you want to talk about the top level, there's no doubt that they have the most um, number of elite teams, and I'd say that second tier of teams right on the verge when you start thinking about Ole Miss or LSU this year or whatever, um, they're right there as well. Um, but, like, yeah, let's not prop up Arkansas and act like, oh, well, Arkansas is better than, like, Kansas State. Because I see stuff like that of, like, well, our middle's better than your best. And it's like, BS, that's not the case most of the time. I would I would argue that to my death, that i take Kansas State 10 times out of 10 over Arkansas right now. Maybe not. I mean, Kansas State lost on a last-second field goal to Missouri. BYU oh, wait. beat at, Arkansas and yeah. had an average season. And BYU yeah. didn't make a bowl game. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State lost on a last-second field goal at, on the road to this tremendous Missouri team, right? Yeah. So, I mean, let's not act like teams can't hang. Yeah. That's where it gets out of – well, Mississippi State would beat, like, Oklahoma State. The runner, I mean – on, and given situations, you can probably do that. But in general, like let's not like prop these other teams yeah. up just so that everybody has to feel like they're all Alabama. That's where it gets really over the top with the goofiness of the SEC pride is when everybody starts hanging titles as though they've all had a part in it. And, um, you know, that's that's the part that's stupid. But as far as like the number of teams at the top and even the number of teams that are tier B or in the middle to above average, yeah, they, they have as many or more than – 
certainly uh, most everybody in the elite, and, and when you lump in that second tier as well, yeah, probably more than anybody. I'm trying to think through my head. I mean, certainly more than uh, just everybody other than the Pac-12 this year. I'm just trying to think. And they probably have more than that um, overall when you when you break it down. It probably does tilt still in their favor. So you add Oklahoma and Texas into that mix, it's only going to lean heavier there. But, yeah, that's, it's not one through 16 is unbeatable for anybody else in the rest of the country. Timothy, Timothy, then Florida, Auburn, Tennessee. Okay, what was Florida this year? Yeah, it was, Five what, and was, seven. what was Auburn? They lost to New Mexico We're just, State. Now, that's just saying well, the brand well, names. Now they, those are is. brand names, but not all of them will win. They have more of a core in the middle that could jump up and bite people and maybe bite them pretty well. But there's going to be some that also fall backwards okay. just because, again, I'll, they all play I'll, each other. I'll give you an example. Okay, Florida is what I'm talking about. Florida doesn't lose because they don't have money to go pay NIL people. They don't have this. Like, they, they're just disorganized right now. Like, they're, you know, they fell behind the facilities. They made this stupid NIL deal with Jaden Rashada that they didn't have the you know, the money to cover and all those things. But it's not because they're not, like, they don't have resources to do it. Like, the only reason you lose at Florida is because you don't have the right people in trying to help you win. All right, uh, yeah. we got a break here to get to our next guest. Follow, finish out the, the No, I, I just I think that those it depends on the any given year. I don't think that you just have carte blanche to every year claim every team who's had success yeah. as a successful team. So, no, Florida doesn't count as a big banger this year. That's brand name this year. Next year, maybe that's different. But they, you don't need to – like, here's the thing. You don't need to prop up everybody. There's enough teams that are good yeah. as is. <laughs> Missouri just replaces Florida. So – like no one's arguing whether they're the best or not, but um, but yeah, you don't have to like cover the entire spectrum to feel better about yourself. Is, yeah. is kind of where it becomes yeah, Auburn goofy. And Tennessee moved up; they were kind of in the yeah. middle of the pack. Florida and Auburn fell down, and then Missouri's up right now. And then who knows? Somebody yeah. might flip with one of those teams. But it is fun to watch and think about as the seasons start forward. Yeah. Uh, one last college football note: Michigan former Michigan linebacker coach George Hilo hired by Alabama. Who is uh, Alabama playing next? Michigan. Michigan. A little uh, gamesmanship with Nick Saban and Michigan on his staff as they play, of course, in that Rose Bowl on January 1st. When we come back, Mickey Spagnola was supposed to join us yesterday, couldn't do it. Cowboys on the road against a, in, a, in what will be, I think it's 50 degrees, 18 to 21 miles an hour, and it might also be raining. It's going to be miserable because most of the time in Buffalo, with all due respect, it is. This is 365 Sports. Here are the specials this week at Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. The scallops at $22 a pound, a little less than 10 scallops per pound. Snow crabs, $12.99 a pound. King crab legs, these are some dudes at $32 dollars a pound country style ring sausage 2.99 a pound whole chickens at a dollar 40 a pound smoked whole turkeys at 350 a pound and tri-tip at 4.99 a pound and chuck roast at five dollars and 99 cents a pound holiday gift boxes available you ask them they have them and they are worth the price because of what you get inside the gift boxes for clients for family for friends heck even get some for you this is throughout the week through Saturday while they're open on December the 16th. It's Waco Custom Marketplace at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, full-service butcher shop and full-service bakery, Waco Custom Marketplace. 
One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, how lovely are your SUVs? Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, I love the trucks you have for me. Strong and tough with luxury, room for all my family. Oh, Richard Carr, Buick, GMC, you are the dealership for me. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. This, uh... Last half hour of the week, Paul's top five around the corner. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com joins us. Mickey, thank you very much. Um, your Cowboys look really good. I mean, doing all the things right. Yet again, a game where the weather can get nuts. Buffalo can turn it over a lot, but I mean, it's it's that's why they play the game. How good is Buffalo despite seven and six? Yeah, you know, if I think if you look at it. Uh... 
they've kind of hit their stride in these last couple of weeks. Uh, they've won two of their last three after losing three of their previous four. And the offense, you know, short of uh, struggling on the road against Kansas City, but they won the game uh, since Joe Brady has taken over as the offensive coordinator. Uh, the other two games, they scored 30 points. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think they're dangerous. I think, you know, they're at home. And the fact that, you know, I kept seeing everybody making a big deal um, out of Josh Allen, you know, being intercepted 14 times, but he's run for 10 touchdowns. And these aren't little two and three yard runs. You know, they're calling quarterback draws. And uh, as, as Micah Parsons said, there's no sliding with him. He's going to lower <laughs> his shoulder and come into you, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, he said, he said, I, I think, he said, I don't know Josh Allen that much, but I see from afar, he's like that crazy frat guy that, that everybody knew that wanted to go out and drink and would do anything possible, right? And so, yeah, I think they're a dangerous team, especially since they're, um, they're sort of desperate right now. They're like in a six-way tie at seven and six with six, five other teams in, in the AFC for that last playoff spot. So you're going to get their best shot. You know, not only is it the Cowboys, but uh, they're somewhat desperate. So, yeah, I think this is a significant game uh, for them, and it'll be a tough one for the Cowboys. I mean, think about it. They've won five straight, winning six straight in the NFL. I don't care who you're playing uh, is a tough chore. Mickey, uh, have you steered clear of whatever is running through the star uh, and making everybody sick? Well, the good thing is there was no locker room today. <laughs> and yesterday I cut it short. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, they, they didn't give me anything. But, yeah, there's a little bit of illness going on. And, it, you know, they had to overcome it last week. And, uh, and then it struck again uh, this week. So, uh, whatever's going on, uh, you know, it's something you got to overcome. That's why, you know, I was pointing out last week how hard, uh, you know, they had one four straight. They're going into the Philadelphia game and winning streaks in the NFL are so difficult because the five straight now, uh, is the longest active one along with San Francisco. That's it. And there's so many variables that go into the game number one you know kind of where are you playing are you playing at home are you playing on the road uh are there injuries are there illnesses as i was writing that and then we find out that uh mike mccarthy had to have the appendectomy uh, you know there's weather there's uh you know you get a an officiating crew that's flag happy there's just so many things that uh, you know, can can sideline your your winning streak, uh, and now it's at five. Can they get to six? And you know, as we're looking at the weather uh, in Buffalo, you know, it's probably going to rain, but it's going to rain on both teams, right? It's not like you know Buffalo's used to playing in the rain, or they go out and practice in the rain, uh, and and not only rain, but it, there's wind, so. Uh, there's a lot of things to overcome to keep winning streaks going in the NFL. Mickey, what is the coldest you could ever remember while inside of a press box? Inside of a press box. Like, is there some old ratchety place you covered? Because you've been covering this since the 50s. Uh, and so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, 
Is there a place where even though you were inside of a press box, it was still kind of one of those old cranky stadiums that were like the windows were up or whatever? You have, it, it, I guess not. You don't sound like you have a memory that pops into your head. Yeah, no, I got one for sure. Okay. Uh, every time the Cowboys would play Philadelphia at the vet, and it was November on, uh, the, they, they, they segregated the home media from the away media. And in between was where the radio boxes were and the TV boxes. Well, in the away media press box, they had these big, like three big wide windows. Well, every year when it was cold, there was a, there was always a TV camera in that press box and they would take the window out. Right. So the mm. camera could shoot the field. And I don't care if it was 30 degrees, 20 degrees, 10 degrees, that window was open and that window we'd be freezing in there. Right. And people would shoot, be shooting daggers at the cameraman, his fault. Right. But then when the game was over, the camera left and they left the window open. So we would have to go, you know, searching for someplace to win to, to, to write uh, because, you know, you can't wear gloves when you're typing. And so, yeah, that was always the worst ever other than, one year I covered a game uh, in St. Louis way back in the day, and the auxiliary press box for football was the baseball press box that was open air. <laughs> wow. I covered a game. I covered a game uh, uh, in December. It was middle of December, and when I went back to my car, my water pump in the car had frozen and busted. That's how cold it was. Jeez. And it was parked indoors. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, Mickey. Well, at least at the vet, you didn't get, like, dysentery or something because that place was a dump. Uh, well, it sort of was. And, <laughs> yeah. it was a hard, and it was a hard field that was even harder when it was 20 degrees, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mickey. So the Cowboy, like, everything has started to click. Uh, what would you say – is the thing though that they still need to shore up? Is it that that run defense that still, if if you can get on the front side of them and run the ball, you kind of take them out of what their strength is, which is just sending everybody at you uh, like the house is on fire. Well, you you better be pretty good at running the ball, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is you better not fall behind. And so, to me, the key to the Cowboys uh, defeating a team that wants a run. Uh, is getting a lead and make them play from behind. And, and that's why I'm a proponent for uh, if I win the toss, I want the ball. I want to get a lead. And, and I couldn't believe this last game that, you know, Philadelphia deferred and said, no, we're going to defer. So the Cowboys get the ball, and I'm going, well, good, because they're going to drive right down the field and score, and you're going to be behind seven to nothing. And that's exactly what happened. The week before, the Cowboys won the toss against Seattle, and they took the ball, and they drove down. They should have scored a touchdown, but they settled for a field goal. So to me, one of the ways to stop to help your run defense is to get a lead. Now, uh, they take a blow this week and probably another week or so with Jonathan Hankins uh, suffering a high ankle sprain. He's not going to play, and he probably won't play 
next week. I mean, it's hard enough to come back from a high ankle sprain, and then you get a guy that's 325 pounds on a bad ankle. Uh, that doesn't work out so well. Uh, but, yeah, they got to do a better job against the run. Uh, but, you know, look what they did the last couple games. They, they, they somewhat shut down Seattle's running game, uh, and they held, what, Hurts to 30 yards rushing. Uh, so they did a pretty good job. But, again, they had the lead. So I think that's always the key. Uh, I think the other thing is the offensive line has to continue to play consistently uh, as they have over the majority of these last five or six weeks. And, and uh, if they can do that and do a better job of protecting Dak, uh, this offense is going to score. And I think they'll score wherever they're playing unless, you know, they're playing in snow or a rainy, windy day, then it's going to hurt both teams. Mickey, uh, obviously the Cowboys personnel department, Will McClay and all those, what they're doing is, is phenomenal. Uh, with Aubrey, uh, with, which is truly just out of body and out of mind good with what he's done. Because let's say normal kickers would have missed five, then who knows. But what he's doing is crazy. Ferguson, the tight end, they've had all these tight ends come and go, right? But there's certain positions the Cowboys just seem to hit on. What was his upside coming out of college? Did anyone expect him to be? He kind of, in a way, I'm not saying Gronk, I'm not overdoing it, but he has an ability to make plays and get something done when he catches the ball. So you're talking about Jake Ferguson, right? Yes, the tight end, yeah. So, okay, so what? He was, uh, I'm trying to remember the draft choice, third, fourth round pick, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. so what they were looking for was more of a complete tight end. The guys that went before him were sort of receiving tight ends. Uh, and, and they felt like they needed a complete guy. More, you know, and I know everybody looks at Witten as a receiving tight end for all the passes he caught, but he was pretty decent blocking. And I thought last year the problems they had uh, were their tight ends just didn't block very well, and especially the year before that. Uh, so this guy's kind of a complete tight end, and, and you sort of have to be when you're at Wisconsin, right, because of how much they run run the ball. The tight end better be able to block. So I think he helped out there. And then just with a year experience, you see him uh, developing as, as a pretty sure-handed tight end uh, down the hash mark. I saw him the other day in practice, and, and he caught a pass, uh, and they were in red zone. And Dak threw it, and he caught it at the back of the end zone over his head, leaping, and kept his feet in bounds. So he's got some receiving skills. And the other part about it is uh, he's sort of hard-headed when he runs the ball. He's not going down. Uh, you know, you better be able to hit him and tackle him and get him down, or he's going to run over you or jump over you. So, uh, And you know, he, his, his grandfather's Barry Alvarez. Uh, the former head coach at Wisconsin. Huh. Yeah. So he's, he probably had some pretty good coaching going on as he was growing up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he, he's a good one. And, you know, they, they did their homework on Aubrey, but they, they sort of got lucky. Uh, and I can't remember if I told you guys the story of this. But uh, so, you know, as we know, he, he never kicked competitively. He was a soccer player. Uh, and he didn't really kick competitively till these last two seasons in the USFL. Well, his second season at Birmingham, the 
special teams coach slash kicking coach was Chris Boniel. Huh. And you guys remember him as yep. a Cowboys kicker, and then he became the special teams coach for, I believe it was uh, four, three, four years. Uh, and so, um, you know, the Cowboys, uh, you know, they kind of caught wind of this guy, and, and, and they kind of followed him. And uh, John Fossil actually went to watch him kick one of the games and kind of, you know, talked to him. Uh, after a game and said, hey, you know, we got our eye on you and whatever. And so they sign him. They bring him in. And, and David, the, fu- the funny story is uh, I'm basically uh, out of town, but I'm working. And they signed Aubrey July 6th. And it was like, oh, okay. They just found some guy to give Chris, uh, Tristan Vizcaino, uh some competition, right? And, and, and the next thing I know, I get a text message from Chris Bonio, and he goes, hey, you just signed my guy, uh, Brandon Aubrey, good kid, just like that, right? So I call him, and uh, he's telling me how this kid has developed and how he's got great composure. And, and I said, well, Chris, this, the hard thing for the Cowboys this year is, you know, before Brett Maher went downhill in that playoff game during the regular season, he made 90% of his field goal. I said, that's hard to find. And Bonio goes, well, my guy made 92%, just like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and now he's made 100%. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but you know what? You, you get lucky finding a guy like that, but I thought they managed it well because they got rid of this guy, you know, and they said, okay, this kid's talented. Let's just give him every opportunity here to show us that he's the guy. And I think that was a very wise decision. Uh, and then they realized he's got a strong leg. And as long as his mechanics are good and they didn't mess with him, there was no kicking coach, right? And, uh, you know, and here's the rest of the story. He's 30 for 30 right now, and he might be. Uh, you know, one of the most valuable offensive players in the NFC right now. Mickey, thank you very much. Uh, We will be in touch about next week to get you on again, as we'll know about Buffalo and also what's going on as they head to the final few weeks of the NFL season. Mickey Spagnola with us, DallasCowboys.com. And this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now in downtown Waco, on Franklin Avenue, look, if you're uh, getting ready, you've got uh, a couple weeks more before holiday parties. If you've got to go to one and you need to pick up some spirits for that, this is where you need to go, especially if you are a craft bourbon aficionado, the original location on Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street. They have the best in craft bourbons available. Check them out. Speedy customer service. The drive through window is out of this world, and they always always have an answer for you when it comes to what you're looking for. That is the great thing about Riverman Liquor and Wine. Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and now in downtown Waco. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has been proudly serving Texans across the state for over 60 years. Call 254-772-8090 to find an agent who will provide a free review of your auto, home, and life coverage. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Okay, this is kind of an order, but top five ways to fix the college football calendar. So it's not like the best way. It's like all five ways that I would fix it, um, even knowing that there's still probably... Uh, some landmines to to uh, to try to defuse, but uh, it's been the talk this week. Number five, move the season up a week, and this goes in with number four. Uh, but move the season up a week, uh, starting uh, in late August every year. That way, you can get games in before you get into the playoff, which feeds into Jack. Let's just go ahead and go on to number four, which would be making sure you end the season in the first week in January. That is almost going to be impossible. But I know that's what you're yeah. saying, suggestions. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I'm just trying to do it like this yeah. is the most practical road to it is if you focus on ending the season in the first week in January instead, in sometimes the third, you know, it could be all the way to January 16th or 17th when this happens. If you focus on ending the season then, then some of your recruiting woes uh, or like calendar issues can be um, assuaged a little bit. So you're talking about ending the first, I mean, ending, ending the, the regular the season? The entire season. Like the, the bowls, season. like everything, okay. the season over first so week in January. you would have to start, what, in like July? No, you'd have to start, like you moved it up a week, given the calendar that they have right now. It would also mean not giving as many buys for the playoff before it starts, which I think is kind of silly. I think you should kind of roll out from the conference title games and get right, get right to buys, it. Four buys, right? Yeah. Four buys. So there's one round from eight to four plus four. Two rounds to get from eight to four. So that's going to be four games, right? You have to win four yeah, games. Yeah, but like, and and part of that. the thing right now is we've got, like, even in the schedule you've seen for 2024 and 2025, the gap between the conference title games when they start to play these playoff games is still pretty large. So you'd have to make sure by ending the season the first week of January, that also means you've got to move the playoff calendar up so where it is hmm. the basically way, the way I see it ending is it's conference title games, week off for Army-Navy and the Heisman Trophy and all that, and then you hit the playoff like right then, maybe even on like you know, do them on Thursday and Friday to avoid the NFL a little bit and create a, a little bit more bug. So Thursday is not a – You're trying to make sense, Paul. I'm trying yeah. to make sense, but yeah. like that's what you'd have to do. You can't, you can't just give this huge gap between yeah. the end of the conference title games and the playoff. You've got to make it happen pretty fast. 
Well, you're not going to be able to do that anyways because you have more playoff games. So yeah. you can't, in theory, yeah. wait a month to play them because yeah. you've got to play. Like, even if you did it now, you'd have to, as soon as the conference championships, like maybe a couple of weeks, and then you play the, the oh, That's what they're doing round. next year. Yeah. That's how the schedule is. And so I, I don't know how else you do that because there's going to have to be some breathing room in there for these teams. When you're all of a sudden tacking on multiple extra games yeah. for a handful of them, that's not affecting everybody, honest, obviously, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be a grunt. I mean, next year, doesn't it start a little bit earlier? Isn't that why there's the, the double bye weeks yeah. um, that everybody's getting? So, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. But, yeah, they could they could at least uh, move up a week or two, you would think, in theory, and that would that help at least open up some more room well, to play around with. This also has them, you know, we have Tim Brando has said all the time, it maybe helps them own December a little bit better. Right, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, because the NFL starting Saturday games this weekend, right? Yeah. Um, they start Saturday games tomorrow, and that's uh, because college football, even though bowl games will be going on, they're like, oh, all right, y'all are out of the way. We're going to go ahead and start yeah. taking our claim again and take yeah. over December, like you said. Exactly. All right, number three, open the portal games after the bowl games are played, and this only works if you do it the way that I'm telling you to do it, if you don't do it the way I'm telling you to do it, then it doesn't, right? Um, because uh, that way you can, you know, you, you don't have that that kind of sticky wicket with a calendar that's coming in right now um, because, you know, you, you, you've got, like the Malik Murphy situation, you know, he he has to get to his new campus before they would be, you know, because he could theoretically play in one game and then not the other one yep. if he had to be on campus. And that's why they've and got this te- problem okay. right here. And if you're Texas and if you knew that he could play in the first game but would not be there for the championship game, would you not want to play Arch Manning to give him more snaps? Well, in if, case, that's, yeah. if that's what happened, yeah. like you're yeah. in a situation where now like you can't. So um, Malik Murphy is is maybe the, the highlight or the flashpoint of this issue of like, all right, you've got a guy who doesn't want like he's going to leave, but he'd like to play the last two games of the team he was there or at least the last one because yeah. it's, he's it part of it. Yeah, it, it sucks. But for, for a couple things here is one school still school. Yeah, and so you can't expect universities are going to change their entire schedules to accommodate the football teams, no. right? And so that's the part that is like the when you start bringing that up is is people have to remind others of like it is still school, and so that's the part where I don't know how you get around that part well, of it. That's why I said you yeah. can only do this if you move the Every, entire yeah. calendar. So if you're done the first week in January yeah. and the season's over and you open the portal, then you you have a reasonable amount of time, which also will go into number two, which would be a flexible academic calendar for guys in the portal. Like you you right. you maybe need to give them a week grace period to get to the new spot, well, something I, like that. I want to say back to the other one though, like and maybe I'm. I don't know. I was pretty sympathetic to Caden Green earlier today, yeah. so I feel like I'm pretty player-friendly here. But, like, maybe they just don't get every single thing that they want. Like, maybe one of the what? things that you don't get is, like, you don't get to be in the portal and then also get to play in the – you know what I'm saying? Like, you are such – you're so I just, unfair to them. I, I mean, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm I want Malik Murphy to be able to play for Texas because I think he's earned that right I to agree. play for Texas and shouldn't have to miss out on a possible national championship run because he's got to go get enrolled. But, I mean – the way that it's set up, like maybe you just can't give the players every single thing that they they want. And, um, but you once know, you get it, why would you give it up? No, I know, but I mean, now you're asking to bend semesters for Malik Murphy so that he can go play playoff yeah. games and then go to the school that he wants and go make, you know what I'm saying? So it's like at some point, you just can't do everything for everybody 
and make it comfortable in every single scenario. I agree and with so, you, but I think it's too yeah, late. Yeah, but yeah. Like, like I said, when I play, say flexible oh, yeah. calendar, I'm not saying like change the whole thing for every student. Right. Just if you put your name in the transfer portal after your bowl game, then you have like a week waiver to decide where you're you're going to be. Yeah. Also, change like you're going to have to change dead periods and all that. You're going to have to pretty much open it straight up because they'll yeah. because based on this other one, they'll also be doing other recruiting so they can work it all in there. Number one. Move the early signing day to July. Like this one is going to be tough, but I do think that like it would it would solve a ton of issues. Like, and then you're also going to have to deal with the fact of like coaching changes and things like that. But if you're signing with a school that you know there there's ways around this, but that's the only way is to get the early signing day out of December. They have to get it out of December, otherwise. So we fought all this time for them to be an early signing day. And now we're going to get rid of the early signing day. Not moving. I'm not oh, getting okay. rid of it. I'm moving it. Right. One in February. Until, yeah. So okay. like you know, February's right. the regular signing day, but like the early signing day is now in July. At the end of July, so kids who are gonna you know who are not going to change their mind can sign, and then the regular signing day probably gets bigger because there'll be some kids who are like, well, I can't decide right now. But you do have that early signing period in July, and you take it out of December, which makes it more reasonable uh, for the coaching schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice idea. Uh, they need to do something, uh, you would think, with just the coaching carousel and the bowl games and the transfer portal and – and then signing day, it's just it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot all at once to try to have to maneuver through, uh, even for those that get paid the big bucks. It's like, is there not a better way to do this? I mean, it's, it's one thing. Like, is there just simply not a better way to do it? Here, here's the problem I see with this, though, Paul, that I can already see coming down the pipeline. Kid signs with Florida in July signing day, and then uh, or signs with uh, school A, and then he starts to have a pretty good senior year, and all of a sudden a bunch of new schools start to get yeah. really interested, and all of a sudden he's interested, and he doesn't really want to be signed to the school that he just signed to because now he's got these new offers he didn't think he was going to have, yeah. and now it's the rules are against him, and now he's going to go to the yeah. the courts, and I I should be allowed to get out of it, and then that turns into to that you know standard scenario where now there's a new thing to to have to battle in the courts, so that would be like you know. Uh, my my main concern with that, but you don't do something just because of, of what might happen necessarily. But that's what I could see would be the the first yeah. issue that would arise would be like, well, he's just seventeen. He didn't know that in July that Florida was going to offer him in mm-hmm. August. And- okay, and then what happens when the mental health thing comes in? Well, uh, that's I mean th- they've already lost on all that. But yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, you ever seen a boat that has a hole in it? You fill that yeah. hole, and another one pops up. I don't I don't that's know how what- that I don't know how that applies here necessarily. Other than like you know you would. You know, um, because you've committed, but yeah, Craig's Craig's point is is good, and then like you know, and then again, again, they can't. The way that the football season is is that I, I don't know, but they've got to fix. They've got to somehow make it flow. Kids better. that want to sign there, that's great, but yeah. I just know that that's going to be an offspring of it. Yeah. Is going to be inevitably somebody's not happy, or they got a new offer, or they've changed their mind, and then how does it happen with the coaching carousel? Yeah. So, like, if a guy, you know, how does that affect? If you sign in July, well, that coach that you're signing to play for, some of those guys are not going to be well, there in December. Well, you already have the rule that right. exists if you're coaching. So that would open that up. So you're that, right. Yeah. That already exists. So I think that that's care. But, like, that helps. the one you said, like, that is going to be. And maybe, like, part of this, though, and Craig, to go back to your early point of maybe you don't get everything, I think a lot of kids have an unrealistic expectation of what recruiting is. And so. You know, if you don't absolutely know where you're going to go in July and you're not going to change your mind, then leave it open. You know, yeah. like that's that's what you do. Like it's right. there used to be one signing you know day. What, and you February. know what? In this, and they'll never. I, I know this is this is not going to happen. But 
if you commit, by God, you're going to go there. You can't decommit. Yeah, okay. no, but like I know, that, I know. Yeah, but no, but then, look, here's the thing. There used to be just one signing day, right? And now there's two. So, look, if you don't know, and, like, that's part of it, like, hey, if you don't know, then don't don't sign. Just wait till February. But then maybe you just, don't get all the attention. Maybe you just eliminate the early signing day entirely. Yeah. I, it, I, I wouldn't be. And then it's just in February. Yeah. And then aren't all problems solved? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, might pretty be. much. Yeah. Aren't all the problems solved then? Because there's not the early sign. Like, just get rid of it. And and then coaching changes occur. And then whoever you sign with, now you get By February, you yeah. know. I yeah. mean, yeah. by February, you know. The playoff is over. Everything's done with. There's no bowl games. There's no. So that seems to be the simplest reason or answer would be just, yeah, don't have an early signing period. Or if you do. Just change the date on it. That uh, sounds too simple, and it sounds too easy, and it sounds like it would work. Gilmer beat Belleville 28-26, their fourth state championship, their first since 2014. Congratulations to uh, Coach Coach Alan Metzel, not David Wetzel, but Alan Metzel, the head coach at Gilmer, where Jeff Trailer started that run back a long time ago. Uh, yeah. You had one or two more things, the the, the bowl games, and we got to get out of here. No, I mean, I had a million other things, so we're going to have to get back at some point to the, the talk about teams with no natties and who's realistically still going to have a shot to win their first national championship in the future of college football. Oregon is one team. Utah, maybe. Um, K-State. I mean, there's there's some teams you can throw out there, but we can get into who's a part of that group. Um, and actually have a conversation on it. We'll have plenty of transfer portal, but I do want to make mention tomorrow bowl season starts, um, and there's going to be seven games. Um, There's uh, Georgia, Southern, and Ohio starting things off at 10 a.m. Central time on ESPN in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So that'll get the day started at 10 a.m. Central, and then the nightcap, 8.15 Central, Texas Tech and Cal. So uh, that'll be in the Independence Bowl, UCLA-Boise State, a um, bunch of other games to look forward to. So that all gets underway, and we'll have bowl games from here on out to discuss whether they're of interest or not, uh, as that's been a big debate as well. See how they play. See how games, if they're played well, maybe they will be. If they're sloppy, is it because of all the changes? Who knows? It might be some dramatic games. I hope so. Thank you, Jack, very much. Jack McKenzie working triple time uh, throughout this week. We'll be back on Monday at 3 with Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke. Thanks to all of you, those in the text today. Also, thanks to everybody in the chat room today and our great sponsors. Thanks to GXG. Uh, Again, giving Baylor student-athletes an opportunity for you to support them now and into the future at BaylorBears.com forward slash GXG. If your team's playing this weekend, good luck. I'm David Smoke. Thank you for being a part of the show on 365 Sports. 